everybody. Hi. It's us, man. Hey, hey. Welcome, my friends and my foes, to Fat Man Beyond. I'm Kevin Smith. I am Mark Bernardin. Hey. Oh. Uh, we're back, kids, to fucking talk all the culture that pops. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, talk about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, mm -hmm. uh, as well as uh, what other things that we're into and 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 interested in. I'm sorry, I'm tired as fuck. I just got back from the East Coast early this morning. I was on like a six o'clock flight, so I was up at 4.15 to head up to Newark Airport. Um, we were in, uh, well, last week I went and saw my mom in Florida, mm -hmm. the hospital and stuff, so I stayed with her for a few days. And um, then I went to Jersey and did a bunch of stuff at the Secret Stash, Jay and Silent Bob Secret Stash, because as you know, Mark, I own a comic book store. <laughs> See, all that's left for you to own in your quest for like Nerd Monopoly is an arcade. It's like, I got a comic store. You just gave me something to shoot for. <laughs> I got a movie theater. I was talking to Jennifer. I was like, it's tomorrow's 4th of July. What do we do? And she's like, we can go to the movies. And I was like, I own a movie theater. <laughs> like, I've, I've, you know, this is going to sound like fucking rich man's problems, but I bought all my hobbies and now there's, there's nothing. I'm like Alexander, man. When I reached the end of the new world. There was nothing left to conquer. And I'm <laughs> Um, but we were back east at Jane Silent Bob's Secret Stash. We had a signing for my two Dark Horse Secret Stash Press hardcovers. Listen to this shit. Fucking listen to the quality. It's made of those are that's fucking hard as shit. <laughs> Dark Horse makes a nice fucking book they, so quick stops was one of the comic books i did um with a bunch of different artists masquerade is the book i do with andy mccalfrish and with uh captain ribman john sprenglemeyer and uh they basically what dark horse likes to do is you do four issues of a book and then they put it into hardcover and they put all you know the covers in it and shit it's like fucking quality man um, so Masquerade Volume 2 just came out, I think, last week. So issue five of that ongoing story is now in comic book stores. But the first four issues are now in hardcover. So this, go this goes to comic book stores, but it also goes to fucking bookstores. That's where they're clever, right? They'll put mm -hmm. it in bookstores because those still exist, apparently. And then Quick Stops, issues one through four, they put in this nifty hardcover with this great John Sprenglemeyer cover after Michael Allred's artwork from Chasing Amy. And then my next run of Quick Stops begins in December. Once Masquerade comes to a close, then Quick Stops will begin again. So I was at the Secret Stash. We did signing. We used to do a thing when we had signings at the Secret Stash where we were like, hey, man, starts at noon. And People would just line the fuck up and there was like a thousand people and then you like you were there till three, four in the morning. Now we just do it through like the reservation system. So it's like, <laughs> here are the slots, so you know when to get there. You're never gonna be standing. Thank God, because it was so fucking hot. People would have been 
people were already sweating balls. So I did two days of signings at the Secret Stash. Um, Brian O'Hanlon was with me on on the first day, as was David Van Dyke, who did one of the covers of Quick Stops. He did the cover. That's uh, all the Dantes. Let me find it. Um, it done in the Breakfast Club style. Right there. <laughs> nice. For Brian O'Halloran, he played many Hicks characters in all the VSQ movies. Um, and Brian O'Halloran was there. That was on Saturday. Then Saturday night, we had a screening at um, Smog Castle Cinemas, my movie theater. I don't know if you know this, Mark, but I also own a movie theater. <laughs> um, so that was sold out and wonderful. And Brian O'Halloran and Jeff Anderson came back for that. We did the Clerks Cartoon Marathon. It's called Bear is Driving, the Clerks Cartoon Marathon. And, you know, the Clerks Cartoon, we made six. ABC aired two and then canceled it. And then they put it out on a DVD um, years ago uh, called, like, Clerks the Cartoon Uncensored or something like that. But I've never watched it with a bunch of people. <laughs> and so we had 230 people packed in watching it. That show was fucking funny, man. Honestly, pound for pound, minute for minute, the funniest thing I've ever been involved with. Um, I, I of the stuff I've made. Um, my movies aren't nearly as funny as the Clerks cartoon because the Clerks cartoon was like not just me. I, generally, it's always just me making, writing my flicks, directing my flicks. But the Clerks cartoon, there was me and Dave Mandel. Scott Mosier, Brian Kelly, who went on to write for for The Simpsons, Steve Lookner, Paul Dini wrote an episode. So, like, the joke-per-minute ratio is really fucking high. So it was playing, like, through the roof. It was awesome. We do auctions before, like, the screenings that I do at Smog Castle, where we auction off stuff. Mark's had to sit through that when we did Batman <laughs> Beyond there. Um, Batman Beyond, which is coming to Smog Castle August 25th, but if you didn't get tickets, you're fucked. <laughs> you hear that echo in my empty room uh, <laughs> because that's all sold out man that shit sold the fuck out but if you want to get tickets for uh the day after is august 26 me and mark are doing uh keep calm and curry on the tim curry double feature where you can watch clue and then you watch legend with a q a between them two for the price of fucking one that was mark's idea um so we did an auction. It was the highest grossing auction we ever did. Um, like basically nothing ever starts on time at Smog Castle. So the show was a seven o'clock show. We started at seven thirty. We didn't start Clerk's Cartoon Marathon until about nine, nine <laughs> So between we do two episodes, then we do a QA, then do two episodes, then QA. So the first two episodes followed by QA with Brian and Jeff. Second two episodes are followed by a Q&A with me. And then the third set of two episodes was all of us uh, together. Q &A. After the Q&A, we did pictures, VIP pictures and stuff, um, where if people pay like a little more, we take pictures with us. And then after that, we had a secret screening. Ooh. Yeah, I can't say what it was, but it it went on forever. <laughs> <laughs> nudge nudge wink wink know what I mean um, but that fucker started at 2.30 in the morning <laughs> I would say easily 50 to 60 people fucking stuck around to watch it 
when it was over, because it's a long cut, right? Um, they fucking stumbled out into broad daylight. It was already fucking becoming the day in Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey. So I'm telling you, man, if you if you're not if you're sleeping on Smodcastle events, you're you you can sleep at Smodcastle events. They fucking go all night long. <laughs> Come to Smodcastle. But uh, the next few things that I'm doing are sold out. So like the Superman Live script reading is sold out. Fat Man Beyond is currently sold out. Um, but we'll be adding some more stuff to the schedule because I head back there um, mid-August. Um, it looks like if SAG doesn't strike, fingers crossed, uh, we'll be making our flick, our low-budget, low, low-budget movie, 430 movie. Even if SAG strikes, I think like 3 million and under movies are exempt or whatever. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we're going back to work. Um, I know I'm a writer and I'm striking, but... I'm also a director, and the director told the writer, fuck off, and he's going back to work. <laughs> you don't get to come to set. Exactly. <laughs> so so while we're there, we'll be doing lots of stuff. Uh, I got Justin Long cornered to come do, because he's going to be in 430 movie as well. So I was like, would you want to come and do a screening of Tusk? He was like, fucking absolutely. So I know that's in the offing. We're going to do a, a, a double feature called Harleywood, with Harley, so there's yoga hosers followed by once once upon a time in Hollywood. <laughs> Two legendary movies that <laughs> one everyone loved and one nobody fucking ever heard of or saw. Um, but more coming there. So that was our Saturday night into Sunday morning. And then Sunday I had another mini signing at the stash, only like two hours for two groups. And then Sunday night we showed Blues Brothers, which on Saturday night we had sold like 50 tickets for and then overnight took a huge fucking jump so we had 130 people to come see the blues brothers and that fucking movie plays like a dream that's a 42 year old movie and it still fucking works man like it was polite laughter granted at smartcast we make it raucous so it's like people are screaming and hollering and cheering throughout every movie and stuff but it was delightful that was one of my favorite movies as a kid and it fucking held up, man, in the screening that we had. So uh, we got finished, I guess, at like midnight or one in the morning or something. And then I packed and I slept for like half an hour. I got up and got on the plane. So I'm, long story short, I'm a little sleepy. How are you? So I also <laughs> left out on Friday night. We watched, Indi we did a watch with Kev, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. So I saw the movie we're going to be talking about. Um, and stayed awake through the whole fucking thing like a big boy. <laughs> I'll have a, we'll have a review for you in a little bit. That's all me. What about you? What you been up to? Uh, this past week was, uh, well, what is today? Today's Monday, so last week. Um, was a bit of picketing. Was a bit of being out there on the lines. Um, what's, going on, uh, what's going on out there on the lines? Um, same as it ever was, you know, I mean, the, the, the big news is that we have effectively shut down all production in Los Angeles. All right. Yeah. Which is a, which is a, a big move. So hey, stay away from Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey, please. <laughs> well, now we know. <laughs> yeah, fuck. <laughs> Why did I say anything? Uh, so like, you know, and, and the spirits are still really high. Um, they've adjusted the hours of picketing, being mindful of the fact that, it's going to be hot as balls in, in the San Fernando Valley. It already is. It was 100 degrees out there today. 
And so standing on the picket line for four hours a day is going to be a bit much when it's desert hot out there. Yeah, so no, they, in the valley, Jesus. Yeah. So they've adjusted that a little bit. Um, I had a comic book come out last week. Um, I wrote a, a, it's an anthology book and I wrote a story in Star Wars, Darth Vader, Black, White, and Red. That came out finally? That came out finally. So... Look yep. at that shit. Look at that. You fucking did a Star Wars story? So I wait, did a story. What label? That's Marvel. You worked A for Marvel and B for Star Wars? I did my first ever Star Wars. Okay. You you took a war to the stars? What was it like? Were there any parameters? Were they like, you can't do that? Um, it, it, it was odd the things that they did have parameters about. Um, it was all like, you know, Darth Vader isn't that powerful. Darth Vader can't quite do that. Darth Vader's use of the force manifests this way, not that way. This person would be a commander, not a lieutenant commander, because we don't have pips for lieutenant commander. Like, some of them were just sort of small in-world canon things. Some of them were like larger, like, yeah, no, he wouldn't have a, he wouldn't have the, the, well, I don't even know what you call it, like the meditation suite that he had on the executor. You yeah, know, yeah. you see him in, in, in Empire and the you know, you see him with his with his helmet off and the giant chamber, whatever. Master chamber, fucking the jerk off tube. <laughs> yeah, this the spooge cylinder. That's um, where he goes to fucking pull it and shit. Um he's like he wouldn't have that on his own private shuttle, that's only on the executor, so you have to like stuff like that. But by and large, like Lucasfilm was really easy to work with. They 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 did not fuck with the the core parts of the story that I was interested in telling. They just made it better. So thanks, Lucasfilm. Fucking hey, man, a Marvel book too, no less. Marvel book. It's been a, it's been a minute since I worked for Marvel, but um, did you say it was black and white? It's black, white, and red. Um, so there's only three colors, and the red naturally for the lightsaber. But that's a cheap fucking book to print, right there. They must be making money hand over fist. <laughs> we got two colors, yo. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so it was fun. So I, you know, banged around LA from when, when I spotted it in the store, I would sign it. Um, so I hit a couple shops in the Valley and you know, maybe I'll do some more. Maybe when I'm back East, I'll, we'll, we'll talk to the stash folks. And I know for a fact, uh, I saw Mike Zapsik while I was there, of course, for the signing and he had ordered, he had a bunch, he showed me a stack of Adoras and then a stack of the star Wars thing and something else. What did you also write? That is um, he showed me that because he was like, when Mark comes back in August, we're going to have a signing. And I was like, are you asking me or telling me? <laughs> uh, so I, he's planning on it. You're, you're fucking spoken for when you come back. Yeah. And there's a, I have a Muhammad Ali graphic novel that's coming out in mid-August, um, which will also be perfect to sign at the stash for a bit. Um, and we'll have, a, we'll have a launch event here in L.A. that I can talk about a little bit later, but... It's going to be super cool. I'm very excited about it. Look at, look at fucking, look at us. Look at us. We're not just fucking walking a walk, bitch. We're talking to talk or whatever the fuck. We work in comics. There's a lot of people that hover in comics adjacent fucking businesses and shit like that, where they suck off of comics like fucking ticks. But we fucking put in the time. We're in the trenches. Make, <laughs> look at this shit. Remember? Happy. Hardcover books. Mark's making comics in three fucking colors, goddammit. We're doing the work. <laughs> this is the shit we dreamed about when we were children. The idea of fucking being able to write comics. And now as adults, we do that thing. Sure. 
there are other better filmmakers who tell their comic book stories on the big screen. But but all in color for a dime. That's what I say. <laughs> or four ninety nine. Yeah, books are expensive. <laughs> Very expensive. I, I asked somebody at the stash, I was like, How much is a masquerade? And they're like, four bucks. I was like, for a comic book? <laughs> like, am I part of this establishment? Like fucking <laughs> Did, did we really only put 20 pages in there? Yeah, they took two pages out and they made it way more expensive. This shit's becoming like records, real rarefied. It used yeah. to be a thing, a, a disposable medium for children, for pocket change. Now, yeah. all adults, you got to have money. You got to have a fucking 401k to read comics these days. You got to have a real ass job. Yeah, fuck yeah. Um, when is this strike going to end? Going back to the writer's guild strike. Why can't you end it? Uh, stop it. Yeah, Make just it stop. I can I can just have them bring me the standard rich and famous contract and we can just just ink that shit up and go back to work. <laughs> they said like in the beginning this is probably going to go on to the fall and I remember being like no, but it looks like it it will go on to the fall. It, it could. It depends, you know, still much depends on what the actors decide to do. Um the actors contract uh expired uh, last Friday, um, they've now extended it until the 12th so they can continue to sort of negotiate and we'll see what happens. Either they will go on strike, um, which is, I think still unlikely, but possible. Um, there was some big letters and petition that was going around that was being signed by actors, um, up and down the alphabet tree from a list to Z list. Mel Streep signed it. Mel Streep signed it. You know, it's like, let's go on strike. Damn it. J-Law signed it. She's an actor. She is indeed. Um, ben so we'll Stiller fucking signed it. He was just like, nobody's going to meet anything anymore unless you fucking make a deal. You ain't going to meet fuckers, parents, nothing. <laughs> All the meetings are canceled, said Ben Stiller. Yes, you can meet these nuts. <laughs> <laughs> meet these fucking nuts. Give us our money. <laughs> Um, so we'll see what happens. If they go on strike, then that puts enormous pressure on the on the uh, motion picture alliance to come back to the table. If the actors get a deal that they're happy with, um, it only helps us as the writers because it's a sort of bottom-up negotiation. The DGA set one floor. I'm assuming the actors will set another floor, which will then give us room to build off of it for the writers. Um, it still feels as if we're looking at Labor Day ish maybe a little bit later maybe a little bit earlier um i don't know i would like it to be after this fucking summer at the box office and i say this as not just a movie fan but as a fucking exhibitor like they better get some writers and get back to fucking work like yeah nothing seems to be working at the box office man last time we gathered together to ask the lord's blessing we were talking about the flash Nobody's talking about the Flash anymore. It's gone. It left Smodcastle Cinemas. Wow. Uh, it was only there for less than two weeks. I asked Ernie. I was like, "Where's the Flash?" He's like, "It flushed." I was like, "What?" <laughs> was, yeah, man. Fucking nobody was coming and shit. And I was like, "God damn it!" Um, it, they're struggling at the box office this this year. There's three movies that the entire industry are pinning all their hopes to right now: Mission Impossible, mm-hmm. Oppenheimer. And Barbie, they're like they only these three movies can m- save the summer box office because right now it's off by some ridiculous percentage amount from last year. Even you know yeah. 
coming back from COVID has been a struggle. Um, but you know, I, I used to, you know me, I'm like, fuck, I like everything. And I'm like, I can't make that movie. So of course I appreciate it and shit. Mark's the other guy who's like, fuck them all. And let God sort it out. Now as an exhibitor, I got skin in the game where I'm like, can you make a fucking movie that sticks around long enough for, for us to sell some fucking popcorn? Like, God damn it. Like I, I'm doing better at my movie theater with old ass movies, man. The night that we had 130 people for Blues Brothers, we had 39 people for Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Yeah. I mean, I think that, like, the thing that the pandemic did was it broke people of the habit of just going to the movies. You know, because it used to be, you know, before anybody gave a shit about gathering in public, you know, if you were a moviegoer, you were a moviegoer. Like, and I'll go, I'll find something to go see, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, I'll go see it because I just like going to the movies. Whereas now it seems to be like, no, it's got to be, I have to have a reason to go to the movies. Like, you got to either sell it to me hard and well, you got to promise me quality, I have to know there's quality. Because, like, Across the Spider-Verse has done exceptionally well. Like, yes. that was opened to, like, $110 million domestic, yes. you know, and is doing pretty well overseas. Whereas Indiana Jones opened to 60, Flash opened to 50-something. Like, you know, even even Fast, Fast X, which had previously been bulletproof in the domestic box, I was open to like 80, which was very soft for that movie. A lot of, a lot of folks in chat are like, uh, hey, man, the movies are bad. That's why people, nobody's going. It's not that. Kids, there have always been bad movies. Take it from a guy who's made a bunch. Like, bad movies will be with us forever, like cancer. Like, that's not it. It's not like movies suddenly got bad. It, it's different. It's there. An audience has been trained now to like, wait, like, well, why would I fucking go? Number one, movies are too expensive. Like, I'll be honest as an exhibitor, I'm going to say that because I've been to other movie theaters and fucking, I see their prices. Now you come to Smog Castle cinemas, you paying $10 to see a movie prime time. Unless you're coming to see one of our events, then we upcharge and shit, but a brand new movie, 10 bucks and shit. And our popcorn's reasonable. So are our drinks. A lot of places, man, they're like really fucking charging crazy prices because they got them the comfortable seats. That's something we don't have at Smite Castle Cinema. <laughs> we don't believe in comfort. We believe in discount. Um, you're not paying for no comfy seat. You're paying to see a goddamn movie. And make that seat uncomfortable so when the movie's over, you want to get the fuck out. <laughs> but I think the price of movies is high. And I also think that the audience, the, the shrinking theatrical window definitely fucking hurt. And as much as people are like, if I wait a few weeks, I'm, I'll be able to watch in the comfort of my own home. Home viewing has become preferable. Why would you want to go out when you can watch something in your own home on a nice giant TV with a fucking picture quality is pristine and shit? I mean, look, Flash came out June 16th. Mm -hmm. Flash is hitting streaming July 18th. In fucking 17 day, what day, what's today? Second? Third? Third. In fucking 15 to in two weeks, you're going to be able to watch The Flash at home, a movie that was just in the movie theaters. And now, mm -hmm. you know, that's probably not the case to point to. They they had a tough run at the box office, pun intended. But that's you've got an audience. It's like, why would I fucking bother going out? And yes, it would help if like the movies we're stronger but it's not just bad movies and I suppose some people is like it's fucking all the movies are too woke that's not it either man like 
it has nothing to do with bad movies and woke movies. It has everything to do with how people have been retrained to to ingest films after during COVID and after COVID. Um, and also, it's like in some cases, you know, think about it. when we were kids. You had TV, you had movies, and that was it. And, and the outdoors, but fuck that. <laughs> so nowadays, it's like you could fucking hang out on TikTok for two hours be more vastly entertained than by sitting through fucking some movies. Um, you, you know, they're just other choice. Video games were not a factor when we were kids. Now you got, you know, we had pitfall, but fucking who would rather <laughs> play pitfall over going to see Indiana Jones. Nowadays, you know, you got these incredible video games, take you hours to play and shit. And then they make TV shows of them and shit. Like, it's not bad movies. Bad movies have been around forever. You know, that's that's the part of the the gamble of going to see any movies. You see a trailer and you're like, oh, my God, this looks amazing. I'm fucking here's my two bits. And you get in the theater and you fucking you're like, fuck, tricked again. God damn it. But live in hope, die in despair. But, yeah, it's it's bleak out there for uh, it's it's hard out there for a film exhibitor. Mm lyrics of that song went years and years ago <laughs> and again this ain't just an opinion of a dude who's like i watch movies and so i get to say what i want i'm talking about as a guy who like my business depends on fucking people coming to the movie theater so that they could buy fucking popcorn and soda and shit like that and it's it's been a tough fucking summer man me and ernie smog castle keep ernie o'donnell sat down to go over like the rest of the summer and the fall schedule looking for like where's the fucking where's the big hope where's the fucking movie where's where's the top gun maverick that's going to keep people coming back and coming back and coming back and right now it's across the spider-verse uh ernie had let across the spider-verse go but i think we're probably going to grab it again because mm -hmm. it's still a draw for heaven's sakes i mean hell make it a double feature do into the spider-verse and across the spider-verse are we allowed to do that? Yeah, probably. Yeah. It's a good idea. Why don't you fucking be the smart Catholic <laughs> people? <laughs> That's a good-ass idea. <laughs> um, yeah, man, it's it's kind of crazy. Um, it's Somebody said, are you serious? Films under $3 million are exempt to film. Uh, well, SAG has said that they're not going to be going after low budget movies because a low a low budget or no budget movie if it's like we're not making that movie fucking the amptp doesn't give a flying fuck we're not mm -hmm. you know, the amptp what is it called amptp thank you yeah. they're in the business of making huge movies and fucking television shows or, or networks are in the business of making television shows um that make or break this business fucking you know you think clerks, the threat of not making clerks would have stopped a single, made a single studio pause <laughs> and like, you know, going like, we better settle this fucking strike. So the way I understand it is SAG is like, hey man, if you got a low budget flick, it ain't like you're not Jennifer Lawrence, you know, where fucking signing a letter might mean something to a studio guy. What are your thoughts on that? Um, You know, I do, I do think that the whole point of at the very least the wj action is to is to cut off the pipeline right is to make 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 the financial pain real and so the wga is like yeah i mean there's there's, there's certain things we can't stop you from doing if you're 
if you like, I can make a short film, I think, because I don't have a distributor. I don't have a studio behind it. Like I'm putting my own money into it or Kickstarter, whatever that is, but I don't have a place for it to be. You're just making art and we're not going to stop you from making art. Um, SAG might have a similar uh, viewpoint on it, which is the threshold is different where it's like for $3 million or less, you know, like that is not, you know, it, and if you have a distributor or a studio, they might, you know, even if they're on strike, if they're not on strike, then they don't care. Um, but if they're on strike and they have waivers for indie films, like, yeah, do what's, do what's permitted. Do what's, what's quote unquote legal in the eyes of the guilds that you belong to. But, you know, don't stray, but play within the lines. Uh, Electric Eliminator 5 in chat said $18 for a matinee. Where? I get, like, there's no way, man. You come to Smog Castle Cinemas, kids. Ten dollars. <laughs> you pay on Tuesdays eight dollars. If you're military, you pay seven dollars. If you're an old fucker like me and Mark, there's also a senior discount. I think it's like eight bucks or something. Prime time. Eighteen dollars. Good God, man. That's you yeah. might as well go see a Broadway show. Go see Sweeney Todd, which I did, and it was awesome. <laughs> when does Dune 2 come out? That's a lot of that's another movie that people are like, that'll save us. I was like, yeah, because Dune saved us last time. Yeah. I mean, November. November 2nd, I think. That's a ways off, man. That's a ways off. You know, and like that first Dune movie was the day and date thing. They released it on HBO Max, the then HBO Max, and also in theaters. And like it did pretty well in theaters, but nobody really knows. I think Dune 2 will be the litmus test of what the audience... Does the audience really care that much about Dune if they have to go see it in theaters and pay for it? I mean, I do. I'm their opening night, but... Because... A, Long Live the Fighters, but B, fucking Christopher Walken in a Dune movie? Yeah, I saw that. I saw him in the trailer. The spies must flow... You know, I'm so glad you went for the impression. I had to. I thought for a second I was going to try it, and I was like, I'm not Ralph Garman. But apparently you thought you were Ralph Garman and went for it. Who was he playing in that movie? Which what? Who was he playing in that movie? He's playing the Emperor Shaddam IV. Oh, is he? He's yeah. uh, Jose Ferrer? Yeah. If uh, Fade wishes to meet you, he can with my blade. Seth Martin in chat says Quentin's movie theater is $8 for two movies. Yeah, I mean, rep houses, that's the, the bread and butter. Which I, you know, look, I appreciate that, but we were talking about new movies, kids. But to be honest with you, fucking go see old movies, man, especially if you see two for eight bucks. But most of these other people are quoting prices of what it costs to go see uh, a new movie. Uh, Max Ramos says, uh, whenever my dad and I go out every Saturday, it's 27 to $35 for tickets. Uh, Dave Mundane said 21 per ticket plus $12 parking at Cinemark Playa Vista. Playa Vista. Mm. Oh, it's Banff Man, everybody. What's up, Banff Man? Banff oh, he's wrong. Hold on. Look at that Weird. shit. Weird. Bad okay. CG. Rubbery CG. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, Banff Man. I, uh, I injured my hand uh, last week, and so I can't. I did not travel with my family, so I've been at home. I've been going and seeing movies like every other day. I went. Okay. I finally saw Guardians Three. It was a 10 a.m. showing. It was thirteen dollars for the ticket, and twenty-four dollars for popcorn and a drink. So I spent thirty-seven dollars 
to 37 see, <laughs> to see a matinee of Guardians of the Galaxy by myself, which is that crazy. Sounds so fucking high. You yeah, could um, you could have got you could have gotten a, a ticket to New Jersey and come <laughs> see the ten dollars. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, the Chinese, up, and you're standing there being like JC, ten bucks. Sorry. Yeah, they're like, I'm sorry, JC, it's ten dollars. Also, we don't have Guardians anymore. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure tickets were like twenty five each for the Chinese in IMAX, maybe even thirty. Are you when shitting? I, yeah, I saw no, the Flash. You aren't going to the movies. It was thirty bucks for my my IMAX ticket for the Flash opening weekend. Boy, they, this town, they, they, they really built the customer here out here in Los Angeles, don't they? <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, this guy here, uh, Turles, says, my local AMC isn't terrible. $8 during the day, $11 prime time. That's not bad. That's only a buck more than us. Yeah. If you see more than two movies a month, A-list is worth it. Yeah, they got a lot of those things you could join up for where you could you pay one price and you can go see as many movies as you want. Wow. I'm now looking just idly at uh, the Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. If I wanted to go see it at 9.55 in, uh, in the Chinese theater in IMAX, so far they've sold, conservatively speaking, 30 tickets. And that house must hold 500 people. 900, I think, is how many yeah. tickets Chinese has. Oof. And uh, it's $25 a ticket, twenty four seventy five for an adult. I mean, that's it's flabbergasting. Look, like, if you want to go see, like, I did the clerk's convenience tour and shit, and, you know, it wasn't cheap. I think tickets were, like, 50 to 75 bucks. But I was there, and I did a whole fucking show afterwards. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, you get value. Fuck, when you buy a ticket to a Smodcastle show that I'm throwing, it ain't no two-hour affair. It's, like, a five- to seven-hour fucking show. So you're getting time and quality for your money. Well, maybe not quality. Quantity more than anything else for your fucking dollar but like 25 bucks to go see a fucking movie yeah no wonder everyone's staying home you know like if it, it, it used to be like it's gonna cost you a hundred dollars to go out like a movie dinner babysitter parking all of that stuff you're looking more like 150 200 if you're a you know a couple of people with children wanting to go to dinner in the movie that's a lot of fucking money. Um. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. I don't. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, you know what? We gotta do an ad. Speaking of fucking money, we gotta pay some goddamn bills. <laughs> uh, kids, this here episode of Fat Man Beyond has two sponsors tonight. Uh, but the first sponsor, uh, I would like to say that they don't make it hard to be a sponsor, but. Their whole business is about making it hard, kid. Nice. Thank you. Uh, we'd like to thank the good folks at Blue Chew. Blue Chew kids are there are sponsors tonight. How well does Blue Chew work? You get a month for free. All caps. So you might as well try it, man. You're gonna like it. And so will your partner. See those eyebrows? I did. They're nice. It's all about the nookie. What? The nookie. Uh, Blue Chew, kids. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex, guys. 
Remember the days when you were always ready to go? I mean, yes. Yeah, it was this morning. This afternoon. <laughs> ready to go now. As soon as we're done with the show, I'm going to go fucking bury it deep um, in my hand. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. I got three words for you. Two words and then an internet word. BlueChew.com. Because .com is really not a word, man. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. Fuck swallowing. You know what I'm saying? Well, swallowing until later. Yeah, later on. That's later on. But uh, you just chewing it. You're chewing this shit for a fraction of a cost of the cost, kids. Way cheaper than seeing a movie in IMAX in Los Angeles, apparently. Mm. You could take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises, man. Process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, god damn it, you're gonna receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. That's it. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the fucking pharmacy. Who's got time for that shit? Fuck the pharmacy. Bluechew.com. That's their new model. <laughs> Bluechew's tablets, they're made in the goddamn USA. <laughs> fucking blue chew and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package because you don't want your neighbors to know how hard you fuck. Take it away, Mark. <laughs> uh, they always say first impressions are important. What about lasting impressions? And Bluetooth wants you to, ha to help you have better sex. So discover your options at Bluetooth.com. Chewing it and chewing it and chewing it well. Chewing it and chewing it and chewing it well. <laughs> And we got a special deal for our listeners. Try Bluetooth free when you use our promo code FATMAN at checkout. Just pay $5 in shipping. That's Bluetooth.com, promo code FATMAN, to receive your first month for free. Visit Bluetooth.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank the good folks at Bluetooth for sponsoring this episode. We do, man. We thank the good folks at Bluetooth with all of our hard-ass heart. Hard because we eat the Bluetooth. We chew it. We don't swallow it like mm. Only a dick would swallow a fucking pill to make them hard. Chew it, God damn it! How well does Blue Chew work? You're gonna get a month for free, so you might as well try it. See what I'm saying? Follow that logic. You're gonna like it, and so will your partner. Uh, we thank the good folks at Blue Chew for sponsoring us, man. They're still, they're still fucking. They still believe in us. I mean, I, must look, make I, lost, hard. I lost the critics in my career, but Blue Chew still believes in me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, all right what should we talk about first Ugh. i don't know should we do late night with the devil yeah let's talk about well yeah i want to talk about that me and mark saw a fucking amazing movie uh thanks to our boy dave dismalchin uh but um Speaking of Dune, he was in fucking Dune. He won't be in Dune too, though. Spoilers, unless unless there's some magic resurrection pills. Uh, Blue chew, <laughs> brown chew, sand chew. Um, let's let's say, let's say let let's save it because I have a feeling that like 
if we talk about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, we'll want to go to something positive after. <laughs> is that, is that, Are you forecasting where we go? Yeah, we didn't really talk about it, but I, you know, I, I, I figure I, I, I can't predict where Mark's going to go, but I have a good idea. Um, we saw Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, kids. We didn't see it together. Um. I saw it at Smog Castle Cinemas. You could see it there for like 10 fucking bucks or less on a Tuesday. Um, I watched it with a crowd. We did a watch with Kev screening. Uh, just to give you some background on my relationship with this movie, I saw the very first Indiana Jones movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark, in a goddamn movie theater with my father. With my fucking sainted father. Um, he took uh, me on a one of our first... Wednesday movie date. Um, when uh, my mom, when I was a kid, my mom told my dad, you got to start doing some shit with these kids. Like they're growing up faster. My old man worked at the post office late nights. So he'd sleep through most of the day. And so uh, she was like, you got you're going to miss their childhood, man. You're, you're in cats in the cradle, this bullshit right here. Harry Chapin's song was huge on the radio. I'm sure my mom heard it. And she was like, don't, don't let this happen to you. And so my old man was like, well, fat one likes movies. Maybe I'll take <laughs> the movies. And that became our thing. So we went to see Raiders of the Lost Ark. Together. We, the only thing we, I knew about it was Han Solo was in it. Um, but I told this story all the time. My father was a pretty quiet dude. You know, and we didn't have like the relationship I have with my kid. Like me and my kid are like buddies, friends and shit. Um, me and my dad, he was my dad. You know, it's just, is I, I didn't, he didn't, he didn't wear his heart on his sleeve and shit like that. He wasn't like incredibly open like I am. You know, he was his dad. Fucking back in the seventies and the eighties, you had a fucking parent. Like, weren't like fucking. How do you feel and shit like that? You know, like. <laughs> You do, or you're in trouble and whatnot. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I knew him as my dad, but I didn't know who he was, right? I just knew him as like the disciplinarian, the guy who went to work, the guy we had to be quiet when he was sleeping because fucking, you know, sleep was so precious since he worked at night and shit. So we go to see Raiders of the Lost Ark. And that was the day that I met not my father, but Don Smith. The, the gooey center at the heart of my dad, the little boy who loved fucking movies and shit, because we're watching this Raiders of the Lost Ark movie and about 20 fucking minutes into this picture. My old man is on the edge of his seat. I mean, he was there from the beginning, but like he's on the edge of his seat and he is like fucking dialed into this fucking movie, all wide eyed, fucking way more attentive than he ever was to me as a parent in his entire fucking life. He was like all over this movie. And he was so excited. Fucking, he was like engaged. He was talking. My father didn't really like talk a lot. You know, my sister accuses me of stealing Silent Bob from my dad. But that day, oh my God, you couldn't shut him up. He was just like, isn't this great? Oh my God, they're making movies like the movies I used to go to when I was a kid. They called them cliffhangers. Me and your Aunt Barbara would go and we'd pay 50 cents and you'd see a movie and they would end, but then you had to come back the next week to see what happened. This is amazing. They're making cliffhangers. Isn't this great? I'm having a great time. Are you having a great time? It was like he had been doing fucking rails before we went to see the movie. <laughs> and you learn a lot about a motherfucker sitting next to him in the dark watching movies. And that's 
where I learned the most about my my father. You know, that was something that when I had a kid, I was like, I'm not going to let my kid figure out who I am based on, you know, fucking the things I like. I'm going to be more open with my kid. My dad came from a different school of thought than that. But when I went to the movies with him, that's where he opened up and I got to see who he really was. And so Raiders of the Lost Ark is a, is a thick part of the DNA of why I love movies in general. Um, because not only are they fun and entertaining and they beat sports and fucking it, you know, I'd rather watch a movie than fucking do almost anything in the world. But the movies gave me my dad, like my best look at who my dad really was as a person, as opposed to just like father, like, Oh, he likes some of the shit I like. That's why I love going to the movies still to this day. That's why I love the movies that I love. You know, some people like, how could you like the fucking flash? I was like, because it reminds me of the movies that I would go see with my father. Escapism. He loved that shit. My father wasn't like, let's go see a documentary. You know, he loved action movies and whatnot. So when I, you know, every Indiana Jones movie, let me say, I saw Raiders with him. I saw Temple of Doom with him. I saw um, Last Crusade with him. And I didn't see Crystal Skull with him. He'd, he'd passed by that point. Um, and so going into this one, you know, every time I go to the movies, it's a chance to see my dad again for a few seconds, right? Like, you know, if you get lost in the, the joy of a motion picture and whatnot, there's always a good chance that, like, I'm going to feel him there. You know, like, oh, shit, dad would have loved this. I say that shit all the time. My father would have loved this movie. Um, you know, like, I know a lot of people shit all over Cop Out. You know who would have been the biggest fucking Cop Out fan on the planet? My father. And not because I made it. Because uh, my father was never, like, the kind of guy that was like, you could do anything you want if you put your mind to it. He wasn't one of those, like, TV <laughs> or movie parents or anything like that. In fact, when I got a career, my father was the kind of motherfucker who would often be like, you know, I'd be like, oh, my God, we got a great review in the New York Times. He's like, yeah, but did you see the Asbury Park Press review? <laughs> 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 my father kept it real, as they used to say, <laughs> and would never let me get too big for my fucking britches and shit like that. But cop out? Oh, he would have come his pants, man. He loves fucking cop movies, funny cop movies, fucking like quasi-action flicks. He loved Bruce Willis and shit. So... Whenever I go to the movies, it's an opportunity to visit with a guy who hasn't been around in 20 years and a version of the guy who hasn't been around in like 40 years or something like that. You know, at a certain point, sadly, I stopped going to the movies with my dad and started going to the movies with my friends and fucking like later on with my wife and kids and kid. Sorry. And, um, you know, at a certain point, I can't even tell you the last movie I went to with my father. And I don't want to get all emotional and shit because I already take a lot of shit for crying on the internet. But, you know, I, I wish, I wish I, I had I'd seen more movies with him later in life. I spent my childhood going to the movies with the guy and I wish I'd spent a better portion of my adulthood doing it. Once I became a filmmaker, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't get to go to the movies with him a lot. I'd see movies early or, and then, you know, you get married and you fucking like seeing movies with your wife and stuff. So when I go to the movies now, and part of the reason I own the movie theater that I do, my hometown theater where I grew up is because I went to that theater a lot 
with my dad and just going to the movies always gives me a chance to bring my dad back. So Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny definitely had moments where I was like, my dad is here. Um, then there were moments where I was like, boy, I hope my dad likes this more than I do. um you know i'm sure he would have i'm sure my dad would have been nuts for this movie where he's like oh he's he's old now that's awesome um i i this i i rarely do this man but i came in for a different movie than the one we got um you got yourself the dial of destiny right which I didn't, I never heard about until this fucking movie. But the idea, spoilers and kids, lots of spoilers as we talk about this. You know, the idea is like this dial of destiny could find a rift in time. So you can enter that fucking rift and essentially time travel. You know, now that seems a little like far fetched for an Indiana Jones movie, but thanks to Crystal Skull, he met aliens, like the sky's the limit at this point. Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, you know, I, I, anybody that's like, oh, these movies are getting too ridiculous. It's like, hey, man, at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, like the fucking angel of death of God comes out of the fucking Ark of the Covenant and fucking strips Nazis' faces and melts them and shit. So they've always been, you know, an air of fantasy to them. You know, fucking Temple of Doom, motherfucker reaches in and pulls hearts out and shows it to people and shit. Um, and then in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, I, you know, he meets a fucking thousand-year-old man at one point who's been watching a fucking cup. So <laughs> there are always elements of like, wow, man, it starts rooted in reality and then goes into, you know, some flights and fancy. And he eloquently talks about in, in Dial of Destiny, I've, you know, I've seen some shit and fucking... I can't quote it verbatim, but, you know, something to the effect of, like, doesn't matter what you believe in, it's how hard you believe or some such shit. So, you know, there have always been moments in this franchise where things go from, he's an archaeologist, a man of science, into facing some shit that science can't explain. And that's part of the joy and the fun of these flicks. So I was there for the concept of Indiana Jones going back in time. Or going anywhere in time. Where they took him. And when they took him there. To me, I'm like, you could tell any story in the world. Especially if you're doing this Dial of Destiny thing. A, get that shit built in the first hour. And then spend the next hour, hour and a half. Letting this fucker jump all around in time. He's an archaeologist. He's fucking talked about different eras throughout all the movies. What I thought was going to happen was, and, and this was based on Dr. Josh Roush, you know, who I worked with, did Wrong Reasons, which is coming out in mid-August um, on home video streaming. But he does Hollywood Babylon with us and stuff. Um, he said at one point, when he first saw the trailer, he's going, I bet that they're going to use the Dial of Destiny to bring him back through all of his movies. And I was like, fuck Yes. Yes! Oh my God, I don't give a fuck if it's fan service. If you're going to use the Dial of Destiny to take him back to the Boulder scene, take him back to Mola Ram, take him, like, take me on a greatest hits journey. That's how you end this fucking franchise with him going back through the franchise or something like that. 
And I am, that don't happen at all. <laughs> at all. They use the dial of destiny once, and it happens in the third act, and where they go was like, you know, the fucking clouds part, and you're like, where are they? And then you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I guess this is a place to go. Um, Ernie, Smog Castle Keeper Ernie O'Donnell, who is perhaps the biggest Indiana Jones fan on the planet, he expressed it best after after I saw the flick because he watched it at Smog Castle before it opened. He had one rare opportunity where it's like he's he co-owner in the place and he fucking brought his wife and had a movie date and shit. And he had a blast. He was like, it was amazing. It was just us in the theater, my theater, and we got to watch the movie and shit. But he said it best, and it fucking has been plaguing me ever since. He's going, why wouldn't, why wouldn't they let him go back and have an adventure with Professor Ravenwood, Marion's father, who we heard about in Raiders, and that's how he met Marion, where she was like, I was just a child, which is creepy enough. <laughs> but like right then and there, I'm like, that's, I'd fucking pay cash money to see that that version of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, where he actually goes back in the past and fucks with a character we never met, but have heard about, and we know is important to who he became. Um, he's fighting Nazis, which, you know, it, if you're checking boxes, yay. Nazis are good to fight. Beating, beating the fuck out of Nazis is a great thing, man. They did it in the Blues Brothers. I watched that on Sunday night, man. The fucking... Audience went nuts applauding when the fucking Bluesmobile chases the Nazis into into the water and uh, the Illinois Nazis and stuff. So they're the worst. They're the worst. I hate Illinois Nazis. Um, him beating up Nazis, fuck. He, they did it. Check that box. Him wearing the hat, yes. Check that box. He did it a bunch and shit. Um, they brought back spoilers again. They brought back Sala, but we all knew that from the trailer. But I was kind of hoping that they'd bring back Short Round. They didn't, and it really felt like they could have, particularly because he had a big year. <laughs> and, you know, it's not like they were done making this movie until, like, 10 minutes ago, so it feels like they could have got him in there. And and I know, like, you're never supposed to review a movie that wasn't made, right? You're supposed to talk about the one that they did make, but that was kind of the problem for me is, like, they could have made so many other different movies than the than the one they did and i know a lot of people online are going after phoebe waller bridge i didn't have a problem with her i like fleabag so i think she's talented i didn't bump into that at all he's always had you know some woman that he's fighting with and shit like that um it was just what they chose to do with the storyline was like that that just kind of left me like oh all right. And what they did was fine. I'm not saying like it's dog shit. No, it's incredibly well made. James Mangold is an insanely talented filmmaker. Um, it just, and I'm not saying the writers fucked up. I'm just saying like, I wish it had been something different. And I think I felt that about Crystal Skull back in the day, but I've rewatched Crystal Skull in the course of the last year. And realized that I slept through a good half hour of it the first time I saw it. Because <laughs> I was like, when did he meet aliens? And then fucking Josh Rouse watched it with me. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I guess I fell asleep during that part. <laughs> so, you know, I, there was nothing wrong with Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Um, better than the Indiana Jones movie I could ever make. 
sure. But I just wish that it was his last adventure, they're saying. And chances are, based on the box office, this is it. You know, I just wish they'd done something else. Did he ever meet Dr. Ravenwood in Young Indiana Jones? I don't know. When Ernie said that, that cracked my world in half. I was like, I would love to see that fucking movie. This is the guy who shaped who he became. And, you know, introduced him to the fucking woman that would he would love for the next, for, for a movie years later. In the first movie, and then fuck, nothing about her in the second, nothing about her in the third. And then in the fourth movie that they made 16 years ago or 15 years ago, she was back. And, and spoilers, you know, there's, there's a Marion storyline in this one as well. But I, that, that to me would have been fucking what a, what a good move that would have been. And honestly, like Josh and Ernie came up with two better versions of the movie that I was really hoping it could have been. Particularly, like I saw an early trailer or we all saw a trailer where there was a boulder at one mm -hmm. point. That, that's not in this movie at all, unless I fell asleep. And I don't think I fell asleep, but that boulder does not appear in this fucking movie. So what happened there? Um, you know, it's worth seeing because it's Indiana Jones and Harrison Ford is wonderful. The whole opening, you know, sequence where they de-age him. I didn't bump into the CG. Some people are complaining about that. CG doesn't, good or bad CG, I'm kind of indifferent to. It doesn't matter to me. But if you're going to make a guy look young, like, do something to his voice, too. You know, that's what they did with Luke Skywalker, right? Like, they mm -hmm. fucking younged him up. But they also younged up his voice. So, you know, when at first when they take the hood off Indy and he's young Indy, you know, you're like, hey, fucking not bad, man. And then he talks and you're like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounds like the voice of a senior man right there. Um, so, I, you know, my expectations were not fucking high. It wasn't like because of my dad, this movie had to be great. No, not by any stretch of the imagination. But I think it gets by on a lot of goodwill because of my relationship with my father. Um, I think it's watchable. And I think it's, again, I think everyone involved acquits themselves well. It's not like anybody dropped the fucking ball or they suck at their job. But for the last adventure, uh, you know, I just, I would have, if I were in charge of the studio or whatever the fuck, like Ernie at one point asked me, he goes, in your business, do they ever, like, do polls or market research or just talk to the fans? And I was like, I don't, I said, number one, I'm not in that business. I don't know what the fuck they do over there. I said, but like, I'm, when I'm, I'm always in connection with the fan base, all two of them. So like, I fucking, I'm, I'm dialed into like what people want to see or blah, blah, blah. But it does seem like, Nobody cares. You know what I'm saying? It does feel like there's a sense of like, well, I don't give a shit what the audience wants. I'm going to tell the story I want to tell. And that's fine for your first time out, maybe even your second time out. But when you're building a franchise, which is all predicated on fan fucking service, right? Shouldn't you fucking ask the public what they want? Maybe just be like, hey, man, what kind of like I would have gotten 100 Indiana Jones fans in a room and be like, what story would you like to see? Um, because the problem that they face with this, this ain't Star Wars. 
where, you know, Star Wars, you can introduce a young generation and keep the old generation. You can Degrassi the next generation, that shit. They tried that a little bit with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and Shia LaBeouf and whatnot, but they've completely let that go. I don't know if that had something to do with Shia himself being trouble or problematic or some such shit, but, you know, spoilers, he ain't in this movie. And there's a moment where you're like, all right, now he is going to be in the movie. And that would have worked for me. Like mm -hmm. in the third act and shit, when he comes back and fucking that's when, you know, spoilers, 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 spoilers. Marion shows up. I was like, okay, next Mutt's going to come through the door. And even though he wasn't like my fucking favorite character or whatever the fuck, at least that would have made it like worth the journey that Indiana Jones had to go on. But it, it's kind of a movie about grief. And I'm all for it. Clerks 3 is a movie about fucking grief. But, you know, Clerks 3 is also not the fifth movie in a fucking popcorn franchise that you would imagine Disney wants to keep going. Like, there was talk at one point of, you know, Chris Pratt is going to be the next Indiana Jones or anybody. But now they seem to have dropped that altogether. And somebody asked me during a Q&A afterwards, they're like, do you think they're going to continue this one day without him and i was like i don't know he is the franchise it's not like star wars where it's like you know you got droids and wookies and darth vader and, and so they're ageless right you know as long as you can make a mask fucking those characters will always be as exactly as old as you want them to be now that they have james earl jones voice darth vader can say shit from now until the end of time um he he is the whole fucking franchise. He's the only unifying thread in all of those movies. Um, and I, you know, it's not like James Bond, where, you know, the last James Bond movie took place like two weeks ago. It's not like we have to go back into the past. All these movies take place in a bygone era and they're centered around one guy. They've never done a you know, in this this year, Indiana Jones is in the present. It's all predicated on on the past. So I, I don't know if they'll ever try this guy. I don't know. Maybe like I think they will. years from now, if he passes, if he ever passes, maybe they'll be like, no, maybe we'll try it with somebody else. But yeah. see, he is the franchise. He uh, is. But like, I mean, my practically like business mercenary wise. Look at, look at, like, Disney does not buy Lucasfilm and then leave this just sitting on the shelf for that long. Um, I think it'll be years. I think it'll be five, maybe ten years until they try it again. But, you know, it's the, it's the Captain Kirk of it, right? Like, for the longest time, we were always like, it's always got to be Shatner. It's got to be Shatner. There's nobody else who can play Captain Kirk until somebody else played Captain Kirk. You're like, oh, all right, well, yeah, let's give this a roll. I do think at some point we'll see another indie. Um, and it's still got to be period because to your point, like Indiana Jones and cell phones doesn't make any sense. Um, but anyway, that's just me. Sorry to cut you off. No, not at all. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm like, sure, anything could be rebooted, but he does seem to be, he has always been the franchise. Um, yeah, I just, you know, I don't want anyone thinking like I hated this movie, not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but, you know, it, uh, somebody asked me afterwards, like, how do you rank them? And I ranked them in the order they came out. Like, 
used to be when I was a kid, I loved fucking Temple of Doom even more than Raiders. But the older I got, it, it kind of go Raiders, Temple of Doom, Last Crusade, Crystal Skull, Dial of Destiny. Um, and that doesn't mean like each diminished in quality. It's just that's personal preference. That's the order I like. The order they came out in, oddly enough, is the order that I like them in as well. Um, I understand what they were going for. You know, um, the bad guy, Mads Mikkelsen, who plays every villain ever now, um, you know, is trying to go back in time and fucking right the wrongs of Adolf Hitler. He's not trying to help him. Spoilers. Ultimately, he wants to kill him. Um, but, you know, and, and there's some level of like, you have to accept how things are and not the way they were or whatever, I guess, might be a theme that's running through it. Um, you know, I just uh, and, and I guess I'm sure there are a lot of cineasts which would be like, you're a fucking whore for wanting fan service. But I don't know, man, if you're making if you're you're making the fifth in a series, you're counting on people who liked the original ones to come back. Am I wrong? Is that crazy? <laughs> Shouldn't you be playing to those cats? You know, I don't, I don't know. But anyway, totally worth seeing. What are your thoughts? Um, I, uh, I, I was disappointed more than I was angered. Well, um, I was angered. You know, it, it wasn't like, gosh, screw you for wasting two and a half hours out of my life. Fuck, uh, if I, fuck everybody, I didn't even do this movie. It wasn't that. Um, but I, I, it is one of those movies where you can, all the pieces were there in kind of the wrong order. You know, like they had the building blocks that they needed for one of those, you know, and I, I had never thought about the, the, the Ernie solution of the Ravenwood or the Josh Rash solution of the time travel through Indie's greatest hits. But it did feel as if to your point, it wanted to be a movie about grief and recovery, right? Like it, it wanted to be a movie about, you know, you meet Indiana Jones at, you know, I guess at this point he's 80 years old, about to retire from teaching at some New York university that is not nearly as prestigious as whatever the earlier one that he, you know, that seemed like it was in Cambridge, Massachusetts. That felt very Ivy League. Now he's at like Hunter College, you know, teaching to students who don't give a shit. Um, and then in Crashes an Adventure, that it felt like the movie wanted to show us a Indiana Jones being rekindled by adventure that something had happened to him that broke him. And by going on this journey with his goddaughter, um, it, it, it reignites what made Indiana Jones special, you know, both as for viewers, both as a character, both internally in the story as a human person, right? So then when you get to the point at the end of the movie, spoilers, when, you know, Marion shows up, Marion, who has also been crushed by grief, you know, but was looking... Um, to Indiana Jones was looking to her husband was looking to her partner to help pull her out of it to 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 be a beacon to be something to be present so they could share that grief. Um, she asks him, "Are you back?" And the answer you want to have as a viewer is to have seen him claw his way back, to have seen him take some joy in anything, to see him smile once at anything and anybody. And he kind of doesn't throughout the movie. It's a relatively joyless movie. Um, I, I, I was desperately hoping that the Dial of Destiny would be itself 
the magic of the world, you know, and not like GPS to a thing in the sky that we have no control over that seems to be wonky, that that ultimately does not answer what Indiana Jones's stated problem is. Like there's a sequence when when Helena Shaw, played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, um, asks him, if you could time travel, Indy, what would you do? And again, spoilers, we're spoiling this movie by now. He says, I'd go back and I'd stop my son from enlisting in the army. I'm like, oh, all right, now I know what we're doing. Time travel, he's going to go back in time and stop his son from joining the army. And then he'll have to make a choice. Like, Indiana Jones always has some kind of choice to make. Do I stop this from happening and potentially destroy history as we know it? Or do I save my son and damn the history to the, to the, to the winds? Like, scientist versus father. What choice do I make? It's not that at all. That it's, oh, hey, we're going to go back into to like 1939 and like punch more Nazis. Oh, all right. Is Indiana Jones going to want to fucking kill Hitler? Huh. All right. Let's do that then. And then have to choose between saving, you know, untold numbers of lives or ruining the course of history. All right. Fuck it. I get that. But to do what we did doesn't answer anybody's story emotionally. You know, um, I don't understand the relationship to his goddaughter, Helena, you know, in that, like, and, and Phoebe Waller-Bridge is playing a relatively, quote unquote, unlikable character. I don't need characters to be likable. That's not what I'm there for. I just kind of need to understand why they do what they do and what they want. And it is never clear what she wants in relation to Indiana Jones. There's a version of that story where Indiana Jones is her godfather. Indiana Jones and her dad have a blistering fight over the Antikythera, whatever the name of that machine is. Um, and at the end of that fight, her father dies. Basil Shaw, heart attack, broken heart, call it whatever you want to call it. Indiana Jones leaves, doesn't know that, never goes to the funeral, never goes back, never sees his goddaughter again. Who raises that kid, right? Like... Clearly, she's now an orphan. Clearly, she makes a bunch of bad decisions. And clearly, there's a version of this where she resents Indiana Jones for not being the father that she should have been. He should have been for her. In the same way he was never the father, he should have been for Mutt. Like the ongoing, you know, the serial issue with Indiana Jones is he's never there when you need him to be there, unless you're from something a thousand years ago. And so, like, then it becomes a movie about reconnection to the world, reconnection to the surrogate child you left behind, reconnection to the wife that you left behind, reconnection to everything. It's not that, you know, it's, it's, it just nudges up against these ideas that seem like they were interesting and then does the version that is not, um, the version that doesn't emotionally invest you, the, the version that, that just kind of skitters on the surface and doesn't, doesn't make you want to watch more of it. Um, you know, and like, and I watched Crystal Skull over the weekend because I hadn't seen that movie in a decade, maybe even more. And I remember hating it because, of course, we all hated it because it wasn't The Last Crusade. But at least, you know, that's kind of an Indiana Jones movie. There's some fun in that movie. There's some, there's some bounce in that movie. You know, sure, the aliens are ridiculous and none of that really makes sense and... You know, Shia LaBeouf is Shia LaBeouf, and either you fucks with him or you don't. I don't particularly, so that was a lot of a character and an actor that I don't fucks with that much. But I got it. 
you know, when Marion shows up, it's fun again. There's some really interesting action scenes. It's Spielberg, who's never placed the camera in the wrong place his whole career. Like, it works. And this movie just kind of feels joyless. It feels perfunctory. It feels like we had to make an indie movie, so this is the movie we made. As opposed to, you know, drilling down, either with fans present, either with just people present, or whatever. It's like, what makes us love this character? What's the best way to send this character off? You know, what's the, what's the most, how do we honor who Indiana Jones has been for the last 40 years. And I'm not sure if this movie was designed to answer those questions or to be there for, for an audience who wanted one last ride with this guy. And that's ultimately was just disappointing. It was just like, yeah, I mean, it's not awful. I mean, the CG is whatever the CG is. I've seen bad CG, I've seen good CG. There's no story reason for that opening 20 minutes. Like, other than to establish your father, you're going to kill off. Like, Helena Shaw could have been Helena Brody, right? Like, Marcus Brody's kid. Yeah. yeah. Who, that's what I thought when I first saw the trailer and he was like, this is my goddaughter. I was like, oh, shit, that's going to be Marcus Brody's kid. That would yeah. make a lot more sense. A ton more sense. Like, 90 people are going to tell us about the fucking Antikythera anyway, so we don't need that sequence that, that opens the movie. And, you know, parentheses. The fucking the spear of Longinus maybe better, you know, MacGuffin to have to chase down, um, but like, there's just yeah, and the the lack of short round is is so weirdly flummoxing. It's like you have these characters that that crashed into the movie, don't do anything, die suddenly. Like Antonio Banderas is there for 15 minutes to say, "Oh hey, Andy, how are you?" and then gets shot. Boyd Holbrook seems to exist just to shoot people. He almost gets no lines. It's so crazy. There's a lot of him fucking shooting people in this movie. Yeah, like, and I like Boyd Holbrook. Like, he's a very talented actor. Um, but, like, there's no explanation why he's there, what he's doing, why some weird guy from Alabama is working for Nazis in the 60s when nobody wanted to work for Nazis, but he's, like, strapping in to do whatever. And then, you know, the weird wanton murder of what seemed to be Foxy Brown, like they were setting up this whole idea that like, oh, all right, so this CIA agent, this black woman in the 60s and fucking black exploitation just before and she's badass and she's going to, she presents as an antagonist, but she's going to flip sides and make a turn and then be an ally for Indy. And no, <laughs> we're not doing any of that for reasons that seem to escape everybody. Like... It's it is it is an oddly slapdash kind of movie that doesn't invest in the things that the audience w would like to be invested in, and then just throws things at you that don't really pay off in any in any real way. And so yeah, it was just like, huh, okay. I mean, I suppose, I suppose this is it. It it does not give Indiana Jones a better ending than Crystal Skull gave him. Mm. You know which is I'm reunited with this woman who I've always been in love with. You know, we've, we've checked a lot of boxes when it comes to, to lore and like, Hey, we just saw where they had the, the fucking Ark of the Covenant in here. Hey, we just did this bit. Hey, we just, we, we, we showed Marcus Brody's statue at the university that he was the Dean of like, we're giving you these little Easter eggs, these little harmonizing points for you and the franchise. And then we're telling a, a new story, which yes, aliens, probably not quite right, but, Indie's fun. It's fun. And this movie never felt fun to me. Um, yeah. <clears throat> well, let's hear from a guy who, who's who got a thing or two to do with uh, fucking Lucasfilm. 
A Lucas <laughs> I have film nothing to do with Lucasfilm on the <laughs> uh, I actually bumped into Mark walking into the movie. So we did see it at the same time in the same theater. Um, I felt almost like it was a different movie. Like they tried to make a punch shooting action movie where I always thought Indiana Jones was an adventure movie. Like this had no adventure. Like Indiana Jones does not solve a single puzzle. There's no stay out of the light moment. There's no running away from a boulder moment. There's no X marks the spot moment. There's no breath of God, penitent man will pass. There's no puzzles in the entire movie. It's in, it's like young Indiana Jones. The last resort was using his fist. The first resort was using his brain. And for some reason, 80-year-old Indiana Jones, his first resort is using his fists. And then in a two and a half hour movie, there doesn't seem to be any time for him to use his brain. And the only time I smiled in the whole movie was when Saul is like, and I'm going with you. And then Indiana Jones is like, no, go drive your cab. And, th and then I thought Saul was going to show up and save him like he did in other movies. And he didn't. He just drove a cab. <laughs> I was like, what is going on here? It was so... It, it, and why was the CIA... And then there was a David Bowie needle drop in it, which felt really weird, which I guess in Temple of Doom, they, they have anything goes. But like, there's not... Like music like that. Like John Williams is the music of, of Indiana Jones. And like this had David Bowie at the beginning, which I get it like space in the 60s, but also like what? I don't know. I, it, yeah. I, like there's I, that sequence when, uh, when you know, your bad guys are all on that plane and they're like, who is this guy? Who is this Dr. Jones? And then they hand somebody a dossier and then they never read it. Because that dossier would be like, oh, this guy, he got medals in World War II, and he fucking survived all kinds of encounters with this. Like, the file for Indiana Jones ought to be, like, the best reading in the world, and nobody seems to know that this guy used to be a fucking Avenger, for Christ's sake. And it's just, yeah, you know, he's old. What could he possibly know? How dangerous could he possibly be? And there ought to be that scene where somebody's like, you guys... He, he fucking punched Hitler in the face, you guys. He, he guy, this guy got nuked in a fridge. Yeah, he's been, he's been shot a dozen times. He's, a lot of people are saying in chat the water displacement grave answers JC's question, but I, I, I mean that's one thing. I guess. But they but, also didn't solve that. Wasn't a puzzle that was solved. He was just like, oh, by the way, once upon a time in a book, I read Archimedes liked water, and he dropped like it wasn't. Like Indiana Jones, you were always one step of behind Indiana Jones on the adventure, right? Indiana Jones knew X marked the spot before you did. Indi you saw the light in Raiders of the Lost Ark. You, you registered it. And then Indiana Jones told you, stay out of the light. And then it paid off later when uh, Alfred Molina doesn't stay out of the light, right? Like there was none of that. It was like, the the adventures were dictated to you it didn't feel like an adventure it felt like a like a parent telling you not to do this thing like even like there was no reasoning indiana jones picked up the tablet and he's like oh this is too heavy to be wax 
But there was no like lead up to that. You had no opportunity as an audience member to like be like, why are they having such a hard time picking this thing up? Like there was nothing. Also, if you wanted to do deep cut fan service, have Indiana Jones lose his eye. Because in the young Indiana Jones Chronicles, 90 year old Indiana Jones only has one eye. He wears an eye patch. And that could have been like a real good deep cut for like people who really love the franchise. John Mathers in chat said Easter eggs referencing the past are only good for fans. Who the fuck were they making the movie for? You make the fifth in a series. This is not like, you know, Martin Scorsese doing a movie about the mob again. This is a direct fucking sequel. And they need fans to go. He also said movies should use easy Easter eggs to reference future plots, arcs, and characters to generate mystery. Nostalgia will only generate so much money. Kid, this whole fucking movie was about nostalgia. The whole trip is about nostalgia. Like, that's the only way this is, this thing's going to do any business. Like, also, you, also, Marvel has made a career of spending an hour of a two-and-a-half-hour movie setting up the next movie, and they're not pulling tons of box office, Ant-Man, like they used to either. Yeah. I mean, there's there's the shitty way to use nostalgia, and then there's the 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 harmonious way to use nostalgia. Creed is a very nostalgic movie. Like, it will give you little Easter eggs, whether you recognize them or not. They will be like, hey, I don't know where these flag shorts are from. If you know, and it's like, oh, shit, are those Apollo shorts? The shorts that Apollo died in when, when fucking Rocky didn't save his life? Like... The music cues are all nostalgia. Like you can you can deploy that stuff to advance story and character. It's and so there's a version of this where yeah, you got a couple Easter eggs, you got a couple of nostalgic, you know, beats that remind you why you loved Indiana Jones. That remind you why, you know, and remind you the depth of his story. And then yeah, for sure, you could have him just walk past the the Rage of the Lost Ark, you know, the Lost Ark and just like wink wink at it, like Next time, baby, we're coming back for you. Like, nobody needs that, but it's a tool. And in the right hands, it can be great. In the wrong hands, it's just that. Victor Venn Diagram in chat raises an excellent point. He goes, Raiders was nostalgia. It was Lucas's love letter to the old Pulp Adventure short movies. Absolutely right. This thing has always been steeped in, in nostalgia. Somebody also said, Kevin, calm down. I don't even know what they're fucking talking about. Like, <laughs> no, they said, <laughs> how so dare you not love a thing? How dare well, you? Said, relax, Kevin. And I was like, when was I not fucking relaxed? Why do I read chat? I don't know. Because sometimes people say interesting things. Like that, <laughs> there one, that guy, he wasn't interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, like, it's, it's just, it's a missed opportunity. You know, and it, Red, Red Comet said, young Indiana Jones won six Emmys. Is that true? Wow. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, probably for like VFX and score, like you know the craft categories that one can win Emmys for. Um, I don't know if it's ever nominated for for writing or acting or directing or anything, but the VFX stuff on that show was way ahead of its time. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. They were doing like crowd scenes. You know, like complete CG rendered, like, oh, it's the Third Reich. And you would just see hundreds of people. And like the Peter Jackson innovations hadn't really took place yet. So it was just ILM cranking on that shit and did amazing work. Um, Yeah, so there it is. 
Yeah. Jones, kids, go see it. <laughs> Three old people don't like the movie who grew up with the movie, but you should go see it anyway. I would hesitate to say I don't like it. It just, you know, it, look, everybody should be seeing things and judging for themselves. And if you don't go see it in theaters and whatnot, or it's Mod Castle for 10 bucks, <laughs> um, you know, see it, catch up to it eventually, mm-hmm. but don't. Don't let anybody else tell you what the movie is or isn't. That's up to you. Indie fever, catch it. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about um, somebody shouted at me in caps, you're disappointed. Um, Mark said he was disappointed. Mm. Like he literally used that term. I did. Um, let's see. Uh, let's talk about Dave Desmalchin's movie. So yeah. Dave Desmalchin is in a movie and it's made by, I'm going to pull the director's names up because I don't, I don't want yeah, a couple of us Australian guys, right? Yeah. I'm not going to say they're first timers or something, but directors, Colin and Cameron Cairns. Um, the movie is called late night with the devil. And it is a like period piece set in the seventies. And it's like it's played kind of like a found footage film, but not like uh, you know Blair Witch or some sort of shit like that. It's more like these are the reels of this talk show the night this horrible thing happened. Right. Um, the live television event that shocked a nation, says the poster. Dave Desmalchin plays a TV talk show host um, that's you know, it's always second to Carson. Can't quite crack the Tonight Show's uh, um, ratings. And um, it deals in, in like, in 70s occult, which plays a huge part in the storyline. Satanism, mm-hmm. um, occultism, um, uh, possession, it, it it's it, honestly it's like somebody when he first told me about it like last year i was like oh my god that sounds like somebody fucking made my dream movie and then i saw it and it is very much like this movie checks so many boxes for me and does so many things that a young version of me and the old ass version of me fucking totally appreciates and would have appreciated like, as I watched this movie, one of the first things I thought is, like, you know who's going to love this movie is Walt Flanagan. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just so fucking fucked. Fucked up in 70s. It looks like a period piece. It looks like it literally was shot in the fucking 70s. Um, the production value, it, it, the concept is great because, like, I, you could literally, since it's shot on stage like it's you know the budget didn't have to be fucking exorbitant right because it's a place on a talk show and shit um and dave plays the lead and he plays the talk show host jack what's his name jack i can't remember i think the show's called night owl or something yeah like i saw it at the overlook film festival um it was it was i want to say the closing night film it definitely it it had its world premiere there um and so it was a couple months back but I, I, I also was struck by like the low budget smartness of it. Yes. Which is like, hey guys, 
All we have to do is recreate a set and a dressing room. Um, and we don't even have to dress this soundstage very much because half of it's behind the scenes. So you can have the walls be dry and the lighting hanging from the rafters and everything. And I mean, it, it in the grand scheme of, of having to pay to produce and recreate a feel, this is a relatively cheap thing to have to recreate. Um, you're almost never outside the studio. I mean, it's a documentary thing. So they do have like, you know, there, there's the footage of the lost broadcast of the Night Owl show, which they then sort of intersperse with some documentary stuff, with a little bit of interview stuff, with some like news really things, with some voiceover. But, you know, the bulk of it is just in that space. And, and yeah, and Dave is the center of it and doing a thing that we've never really seen him do before. Yes. Because he's so often cast because, you know, he's got a very specific look and a very specific vibe. Sometimes it's creepy. Sometimes it's off kilter. Sometimes it's just weird. But he's being intentionally charismatic. You know, he's being the kind of guy who would host a late night show, a little smarmy, a little large, a little funny. Um, and I've never seen him do that stuff before. And so it's just really great to watch him kind of stretch his legs. Leading man. Like, yeah, he carries the movie. Um, I love the fucking flick. I thought it was so badass and unsettling and fucking creepy and shit. Uh, not too long either. Because, uh, you know, they, it's a by the time the movie ends, you're like, fuck. And, and you could watch more of it. But it doesn't feel like they cut it short. Um, it's fuck it's good like it, it's original although it's made of very familiar elements mm -hmm. very it's honestly it's like rosemary's baby meets network <laughs> <laughs> um two wonderful films that that have been now uh blend together into late night with the devil um i don't know when it's coming out but fuck like really really fucking turned my crank um and and in terms of the low budget smartness of it like as the guy who made clerks which is like i'm gonna shoot a movie here in a convenience store which you know is like that's our entire set like i was sitting there kind of very appreciative of the fact that wow man like that why i wish i had thought of doing something like this you can make a very inexpensive fucking movie the set's not going to cost you a gazillion bucks. And since it was the 70s, like Mark said, the set doesn't have to look fucking great. It needs to look like 70s, basic. Yeah, drapes. <laughs> yeah, drapes, essentially. And that allows the performances and the concept to take, like, center stage. And there's effects in it, and the effects are well done. Um, they shot it out in Australia. Mm -hmm. um, fuck, I love this movie. Uh, yeah. I want to show it at Smodcastle as like soon as possible and have Dave come out with it. Mm. Um, I can't. I, normally, we could tell you where to watch a thing, but I don't know when it's coming out. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's still in its festival run. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it has distribution yet, or if that was part of the run to hopefully acquire distribution. Um, but it's a really, really fun watch. Um, yes, fuck, I love this movie. I, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to say too much and, and spoil it, but it is, I'm telling you, man, it's like, I'm, I'm a big fan. I was raised Catholic, so I'm a big fan of fucking devil movies. Uh, and this is a fucking devil movie. Um, and, and a 70s devil movie. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, it's in, very well done. My hat's off to the filmmakers um, and to Dave. Good old Dave Desmalchin, man. Um, he playing a playing a lead. Something you know, Dave's always kind of like the guy behind the guy behind the guy, or yeah. you know, a fucking character actor. But he fucking pulls it off in a big bad way. Yeah, like, and if you want to see Dave, the character actor, guy behind the guy, like he's also in the Last Voyage of the Demeter, which is out in I want to say late July. Um, early August, but it's the story of the ship that took Dracula from Transylvania to London. And in the in the Bram Stoker book, it's it's like what not even a paragraph; it's a couple sentences. Like you know, the the coffin of Dracula was boarded, loaded onto the Demeter. The church took X number of days. Everybody in the boat was dead when it arrived in London. Like that's all that there is in Bram Stoker's original text. But this is the movie about that voyage about fucking dracula getting out about him killing everybody like 10 little indians or whatever you want to call it. and then there were none which is the the new not fucked up and racist title of the agatha christie book um you know it's it's a sort of classic tale of of killing everybody in interesting ways and dave dismalchin's one of the sailors and it's like yeah fuck it let's do it um speaking of uh, of uh Dracula. Did we ever talk about Renfield? Did you ever catch up with Renfield? I did. I saw it at the same festival. I, I enjoyed the fuck out of that movie. <laughs> it came and went pretty quick, but like I, I caught up with it um, at home. I, I watched it, and man, like Nick Cage as Dracula was exactly what you were hoping it would be. Yeah, and yeah. I thought it was a cool concept, and I thought the fucking action was cool and stuff. Nicholas Holt, I thought was good. That was definitely a movie worth seeing. Um, but yeah, man, fucking, if you can, if it's playing at a festival, go track down late night with the devil. Fucking really great, man. If you're a fan of seventies, occult satanic movies, like fuck. Yeah. Like keep an eye on Dave Dismalchin's socials. Like I'm sure once it, once it breaks, once it gets its, its, its release date and schedule and all that stuff. He'll have it on his Instagram or Twitter or whatever, or Blue Sky for that matter. Um, they, uh, um, are you, I, I'm not watching uh, Superman and Lois, not because I'm like, I ain't watching it, but I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I haven't kept up with it. But me neither. I did watch, um, what's his name? Michael Cud, Cud, Cudlitz? Cudlitz, yeah. As Lex Luthor, mm-hmm. like they've been putting the clips up on YouTube. Holy shit yeah really fucking enjoyable like they're doing a different a very blue collar lex luthor Hmm. um and he has a fucking scene on the porch of lois and clark's house that is fucking he's he's electric like you know i know john crier in the cw universe was an excellent fucking lex luthor but michael cudlitz is doing something really fucking badass a really butch like I wasn't talking to you, kind of fucking <laughs> next Luthor. It, it's fucking. It was good, man. I don't know if that was the season finale or whatnot, but I watched all of his scenes mm. um, on YouTube. They've been you know clipped and put up there. And fuck, man, he. That's it. Like you know, it's big shoes to fill, right? You know, Gene Hackman and mm-hmm. and uh, shall not be named Clancy Brown, fucking who played him in the animated world. Yeah, but, like. Their, their characterization of a real fucking hardcore Butch Luthor who, like, was put in jail 
wrongly quote unquote wrongly imprisoned and shit and he's got a fucking beef with lois lane really fucking cool man mm -hmm. i urge you to go check out the scenes on uh on uh youtube right now or watch the whole episode if you want yeah that, that's a show that i just never like i remember seeing the pilot and dug the pilot but just never never kept up with um what else can, yeah william anderson chacos he's like the breaking bad version of lex <laughs> i would fucking go with that yeah it was it was fucking delightful like to see this dude just fucking come in like a lion as Lex Luthor. You know, mostly Lex Luthor cinematically is always portrayed as, you know, uh, smarmy. Mm. Fucking, you know, he's got a sense of humor and shit. Clancy Brown's Lex Luthor in the, in the Superman, the animated series and the Justice League. I always, I, I really liked. Michael Rosenbaum, of course, did a wonderful one in, uh, in Smallville. Smallville, but man, this fucking like doing Luthor as like this fucking like coiled spring rage machine who's more earthy, you know, mm -hmm. was was pretty. Is is a? I think that show's been renewed. That I that would make me tune in if he was in every episode and fucking like just being this shouty fucking like I'm gonna kick your fucking ass, Lex Luthor. Yeah, I think it. I think it was renewed for its final season. I think. Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing that. Speaking of Superman, we got some casting news. This week. I know. Should we dive into some news? Yeah, let's go. Go for some news, kids. We we talked about some stuff we saw and liked, and loved, and and just saw. Um, now, should we, should we hit the smooth sex summer first? That's true. Good point. Yeah. Take the lead on that one. Uh, yeah, if you haven't heard already, it's smooth sex summer, kids. When you're playing in the summer sun, make sure you're scaped from pubes to bum. That's right. This is the summer to keep your balls cool while still looking hot with Manscaped, another sponsor for tonight's episode of Fat Man Beyond. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming are making sure we all have a ball this summer by giving our pants partners everything they need to stay fresh. Dive headfirst into Smooth Sex Summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FATMAN20 at checkout. I'm not a ball hair trimmer, are you? Uh, I've never done that, um, but I'm not opposed to it. It's just never occurred to me. I plucked a hair once, and it was a real fucking mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest with you. So the idea of fucking manscaping makes a lot more sense. The fact that they made a ball trimmer, like in the performance package 4.0, it's got everything you need to prepare that summer bod, man. They got the built the ultimate grooming bundle for your summer grooming. Their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor. That's faster than the moped I used to ride around. <laughs> a new multifunction on-off switch can engage a travel lock and gives you the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shape. You want to get in there with laser focus. This is your nuts, for Christ's sakes. You want to make sure you're doing it right. Did I mention the trimmer's waterproof, too? So take it to the beach, the lake, the shower. This razor will devour even the strongest fucking pubes. 
Now that you have the perfect haircut, use Manscaped's liquid formulations to keep that freshness, even as the hottest summer barbecues, man. Most importantly, use their crop preserver ball deodorant to stay cool in the heat. It took people, it took mankind or humanity, I should say, you know, what, fucking 10,000 years to go, <laughs> I get it. Fucking deodorant for the balls. That makes sense. <laughs> the soothing aloe vera formula, it's the best in the business for below the waist freshness. And this clear, drying formula will keep looking good and while smelling good. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts for their performance package 4.0. Manscaped boxers and the shed travel bag. You just put all your shit in the shed, man. Wearing sandals with some nasty toenails during the summer months? Well, take a look at the Shears 2.0, a luxury nail grooming kit. This kit includes stainless steel nail cutters, tweezers, and grooming scissors. With the performance package, your balls will be ready to impress, but make sure you cover the rest with Shears 2.0. And get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FATMAN20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping. With the code FATMAN20 at manscaped.com. And smooth sex summer, gentlemen. Get on board or get left behind. We thank the good folks at Manscaped for uh, sponsoring the second half of this here program. Uh, Word them up. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we do have a, a, a smattering of news. News, as we've discussed in, the, in these past couple podcasts, is getting uh, harder to come by given the lack of development stuff thanks to the writer strike, the lack of production stuff. But every now and again, some shit slips through the cracks that we sweep right back up and deliver unto you for the news. First item, James Gunn has found his Clark Kent and his Lois Lane for his new Superman flick, which is Superman Legacy, which will be out in 2025. Maybe actually almost two years to the day. We will see a new Superman movie. Um, following month, two years before we see the flick? Yeah, July 11th, 2025. A long time. Long time. Got to stay alive. We could use them to save the box office right fucking now. Indeed. Um, so following months of audition tapes and in-person screen tests, Warner Brothers and DC Studios have settled on David Corrin Sweat uh, as Superman slash Clark Kent while Rachel Brosnahan is on board to play Lois Lane. Uh, now, that's Miss Mizell. That is the marvelous Miss Maisel. Maisel? Indeed. Um, I interviewed her once at uh, Sundance for IMDb. She was absolutely wonderful. Um, and I've seen her. She did an episode of Saturday Night Live. Mm -hmm. She was really good. So um, when they started talking about her as Lois Lane, I was like, yeah, I could see that. Who is he? Um, he was in um, Pearl. The uh, the the who made it? Is it Ty West? I think made that little horror movie, um, the politician and HBO's We Own This City. Um, this is his first major leading role in a major studio motion picture, um, so it's a bit of a, a blow up for him. And yeah, Rachel Brosnahan uh, has an Emmy for for playing the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, so she's uh, she's got a little tin under her belt, and they're both ready to get into it. They're still casting for Lex Luthor and uh, Jimmy Olsen and Perry White and so forth and so on. The rest of the the Superman coterie of characters, but no, they got their they got the big two. Um, and then I heard, well, I don't know if this is right, but I mean, look, fucking 
after the last episode, I'm reticent to say anything. Did you see how many fucking news stories came out of like Kevin Smith said that they went to Christian Bale <laughs> by fucking Batman in the Flash movie? And like, I was like, I did not. And I went back and watched our show. And it's literally me going like, you know what I think? You know, like it's conjecture. But they <laughs> clipped it. Somebody clipped it. So it was just me saying that it sounded more like fucking fact or something like that. Um, that, yeah, so there were a bunch. Of, I had to go correcting people last week. And some people, they ran articles that were like, Kevin Smith clarified. And I was like, Kevin Smith did not clarify. Clarify <laughs> would have been, that means like I'm I'm uh, making more clear something I said. Kevin Smith was correcting something <laughs> that other people clipped and took completely out of concept and sold this fucking fact. Um, so, yeah, I got to be so careful what I say on this show. <laughs> the Internet is ruining it. Thanks, Internet. Always internetting. Uh, they've asked us in chat if we've seen Secret Invasion. Have you watched it yet? I have not. I keep forgetting that it's on. I'm going to let a few episodes collect. Yeah. Like, I just, I remember the the, the hubbub about the opening credits um, having been generated by AI, which felt particularly tone deaf for the, for the time. It's like, read the room, for heaven's sakes. Yeah. Um... But I have not checked it out yet, and I mean to. I mean to. I'm just. I've been too. I've been too in love with the bear. Sue me. Um, but the bear, the bear is great. Is it? The bear is great. I mean, the first season has maybe the single most tense episode of television that I've ever watched. Um, in addition to you know some of the most lovely moments in, in TV shows I've ever watched. Somebody uh, described it as like a grittier Ted Lasso in that it does give you these deep emotional moments of kind of wonder and joy, but it's a lot of fucking shouting. <laughs> There's a lot of people yelling in a restaurant kitchen. Um, but, uh, but it's great. It's great. So yeah, we'll get to secret invasion because of course we will. Um, yeah, there's a lot of love for the bear in chat. People are digging it. Yeah. So good. So good. Bear season two, Jazz PDX says the Bear season two is amazing. Still can't get over the family dinner episode or the one after that. Yeah, I think that's toward the end of the season. Um, but no. awesome, the Bear is amazing. The Bear is excellent. A lot of big reviews, man. Fuck, I guess I know what I'm doing tonight. The Bear, the Bear, the Bear. Um, in other news, uh, apparently, um, Dune Part Two might not be the end of Denis Villeneuve's Dune Saga. Um, he, if if all things go the way he'd like them to go, Denis Villeneuve would like to cap off the Dune trilogy by adapting uh, Frank Herbert's sequel novel, Dune Messiah. Um, Warner Brothers has not greenlit it. Warner Brothers has not actually put it into development yet. Warner Brothers seems to be playing a little bit of a wait-and-see game to see if Dune Part 2 does the business it needs to do to justify spending hundreds more millions of dollars on a third movie. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, like, more Denis Villeneuve Dune? Yeah, I'm here for it. I can't wait for Part 2. If you tell me it's going to be Part 3, fucking A, hell yeah. Give me that. You read all the books, right? I read all the books. I read Dune Messiah. I read um, Children of Dune. But then there's another like ten novels after that that I that I just did not get into. Um, but yeah, man, like, fuck, give it to me, give it all to me, 
I want to live in Iraq. Somebody in chats, John Thompson goes, how about the idol, Kev? All those nude Lily Rose depth scenes. Yeah, I my kid was like, don't watch the idol, dad. <laughs> like, why? I mean, the whole internet is saying don't watch it. But my kid was like, it, you know, it's you will be freaked out by how little clothing Lily Rose wears. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I, yeah. I've known her since she was a kid. I don't, I don't need that. <laughs> um, but they seem to be taking it pretty hard. Yeah, it does. I, I haven't seen it. I I have not seen very much of uh, Sam Levinson's work. Never really dug into Euphoria. Oh, I saw an episode of Euphoria and it terrified me. It made me feel old as hell. <laughs> I was like, I, I don't understand this. This is inscrutable to me. What happened? I used to be young. Who uh, knew? Um, but uh, yeah, I interviewed him once it's at, for IMDb. Boy, because <laughs> Five years I interviewed people for IMDb, so I got to meet a lot of motherfuckers, man. And um, they it was one he had Assassination Nation mm -hmm. Sundance. And they gave me like the cast, but like they wouldn't give me the filmmaker. And mm -hmm. I kept asking the publicist, I was like, is the filmmaker not here? And they're like, Yeah, but yeah, but, but you've got your panel. And I was like, I, I know, but like traditionally, this is Sundance. Like I interviewed the filmmaker as well, chiefly the filmmaker. Like, the, you know, yes, of course, there are actors in these movies, but like the Sundance fucking film festival. And I had to literally cajole them. They, at first they were telling me no. Like, he's he, he doesn't do interviews, blah, blah, blah. So we're about to, like, you know, I've got the kids who I'm interviewing from the movie, and there was another guy, like, sitting off to the side, and normally the only people in that room were people who had something to do with the movie. So I asked somebody, I was like, who's that? And they were like, that's Sam Levinson. He's the guy who made the movie. And I was like, I went over to him. I was like, hey, man, like, nice to meet you. Congrats. I was like, do you not want to talk? Like, do you not like want to? No worries. No pressure. And he goes, no, they told me not to. And I was like, fuck them. And I was like, get another chair for this kid. And so I got to interview him there and stuff. And then, uh, so when they made Euphoria a couple of years back or whatever, I was like, oh, I met that. And I liked Assassination Nation quite a bit. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'm going to watch Euphoria. And I watched it and I was, you know, I was like a fucking 80-year-old man who got lost in the mall. I like, <laughs> <laughs> so if that's how I felt about Euphoria, that I'd be terrified by the idol. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> like, I know my limits. <laughs> um, our last bit of news is that uh, apparently fresh off of what you and every other exhibitor are hoping is going to be a hit film, Barbie, Greta Gerwig. Is I'm, I'm telling you, man, I don't think this is a hot take or anything, but those fucking trailers are great. Their marketing campaign is wonderful. The whole idea of like, if you love Barbie, this movie's for you. If you hate Barbie, <laughs> this movie's for you. I was like, what a great approach. That's pretty good. But I, 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 I'm, I'm an unabashed, unabashed, unabashed. Mm. I unabashedly fucking adore Ryan Gosling when he does comedy. <laughs> anytime he's on snl he fucking slays it man so like him in this trailer i think he's hysterical so i'm I'm not saying like i ain't there for anyone else but i am chiefly there to see ryan gosling play stupid to play him <laughs> it looks so fucking good to me um but the storyline seems kind of 
kind of cool and there's a bit of poignancy to it you mm-hmm. know one trailer uh this is the last trailer they put out um but you know uh kate mckinnon plays a version of barbie like there's all these versions of barbie but she apparently plays the one that like kids destroy <laughs> cut her hair and fucking <laughs> on her and shit like that it looks good man I, I can't wait to see this movie but anyway what's the news on it yeah greta gerwig is about to chronicle some fucking narnias yo um she is uh, confirmed to be attached to Helm 2 movies for Netflix based on the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. Um, I mean, I, I, yeah, I guess. I also never would have picked her to be somebody to do Barbie, but apparently she found a way in that's super interesting. So, you know, fuck it. If she's going to adapt the mythical kingdom that'll only open itself to young warriors with the purest hearts setting a stage for a war that will also affect the human world plus fucking a lion as god okay yeah i'm 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 good for her but i'm just i've never i've never been a narnia guy neither was i like i saw two of those movies i think um, I saw the first one because, I mean, it was a big deal when it came out back in the sort of, I guess that was the early, mid-2000s. Um, Disney and Fox making those giant-ass movies. It wasn't for me. Like, just not really. I There was a cartoon they did years ago. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which I enjoy. But, like, I, you know, if I'm going to read C.S. Lewis, uh, it's pretty much begins and ends with the screw tape letters for me about <laughs> demons man nice devils and shit not we british children and god lions no but i remember that fucking seeing that cartoon and being like jesus christ they like stabbed this lion to death <laughs> you know and i remember I, I was young when i saw it my brother was like well that's supposed to be jesus and i was like what Catholic, <laughs> like, and i was like well, how are they getting away with this shit um but yeah, I, I'm not a I'm not a real big, never been a Nar- Narnia guy. But nah, me her, her man, her career is blowing up. Hell yeah. Um, and I guess the last bit of news, um, you know, we it seems as if we are going to be doing this almost every episode, um, which is the the sort of obituary for somebody who meant something quite a bit to us. The great Alan Arkin passed oh, away. What a loss, man, Alan Arkin. One of the greatest actors who ever acted and shit. I had texted, I was texting with Ben and um, I'd said like, you know, I always wanted to work with him, but you know, fucking at least you got to, what a legend. Like, cause he was an Argo. He's the one that says Argo, fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, for my version of Fletch that I was going to make years ago, he was my Frank. Ah. Yeah. I, I've, I've always loved Alan Arkin uh, going way back to like, I watched, my father cry laughing at the in-laws when I was a kid. Serpentine. Serpentine. And also like <laughs> when he's spitting where he's like, <laughs> then he's, he just can't like hold himself in. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I've, you know, he's what an amazing fucking actor. I'm a huge Glengarry Glenn Ross fan. Boot shoes. Yes. Mm. Um, he's, he was an absolute fucking legend. And yeah. How old was he? He was uh, nine, 89. I mean, you know, that's, of course, a very long life, but fuck. Somebody like Alan Arkin deserves 100. Little Miss Sunshine. Didn't he win the Oscar for Little Miss Sunshine? He did, yeah. 
Um, he was PV in the Rocketeer. Yeah. Remember? He was the, you know, fucking the one that helped. Uh, he was the mechanic, dude. Yeah, the Rocketeer. Fucking <laughs> he, he owned um, that airfield. PV's airfield. He, uh, he, he, he didn't have a fucking, like, uh, he was also, remember, Wait Until Dark? Yeah. Where he was like a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was him. I always confused that with Robert Blake. I always thought that Robert Blake was the Wait Until Dark guy, but no, you're right. It's Alan Arkin. Um, yeah. Alan Arkin was an absolute, absolute fucking legend. Um, somebody said in chat, Freebie and the Bean. Absolutely. Fucking Freebie and the Bean. Um, yes. Uh, in, in, Impound, impounded Coda says he was the shrink in Gross Point Blank. Absolutely. One of my favorite roles he ever played. He was a bit part in the movie comparatively, but he's he's Martin Blank's shrink. Where, you know, he's just like, uh, you want to talk? You talk. It's your nickel. <laughs> he's, he's the shrink <laughs> that finds out, you know, like when we meet him in the movie, he's like a reticent psychiatrist, a reticent therapist. And then it comes out in their dialogue that he's like, he doesn't want to continue being his therapist because he found out that Martin Blank is an assassin. <laughs> um, I can't that, keep talking to you. I have to go now. I need to, you know, I need to fucking keep talking to the doctor. And then he goes, plus I know where you live. And he goes, now don't do that. That's not, <laughs> not make <me> feel good. <laughs> yeah, man, that sucks. It sucks when we lose. Of course, somebody, uh, Doc Hayes pointed out he was your Sarian in Catch-22. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Even the voice of the, the, the burgeoning young wizard, Schmendrick, in The Last Unicorn. Oh, my God. He, I saw recently on Twitter that he wrote in a letter to Mad Magazine when they did their parody of Catch-22. <laughs> and he wrote a very complimentary letter. It said, Alan Arkin, Hollywood, California. I thought that was adorable. Uh, in chat, they're also pointing to um, uh, they found... Julian Sands' body, the warlock yeah. himself, rest in peace. Um, he'd been missing for a while. Oh, somebody mm. said, Kenneth Worley said Kaminsky method was brilliant. And Alan Arkin was in that, right? Mm. With Michael Douglas? Yeah. Yeah, I'll go back and watch that. I haven't seen that, but I, my, my in-laws watched it and they loved it. But back to Julian Sands. Um, yeah, he was hiking someplace and went missing. And I guess yeah, Mount Baldy, I think. They just found some remains and I guess... Have they, I guess they've identified them as Julian Sands. The story I saw the other day was like, it might be, it, it, he disappeared. These bones are found or these remains are found in the same area where he disappeared. So maybe the internet seems to know that they've confirmed it. Mm. Um, the Warlock, like it, kids. We talking about fucking devil movies before, Warlock was one of those. Yeah, I loved Warlock. Warlock's great flick and he was wonderful in it. He was in a bunch of other things as well, but Warlock. I don't like Merchant Ivory stuff. Like I think he, he was in like Remains of the Day. I think classy actor, and mm -hmm. you know, happened to also do Warlock and stuff. Um, rest in peace, rest in power, both of you all. Him and uh, him and uh, the great Alan Arkin, Julian Sands, and Alan Arkin. Yeah, Room with a View. I think that was the big one. Oh yeah, Naked Lunch. Well, that's right. He was a naked lunch as well. 
Yeah, it's an arachnophobia. E.R. Morris in chat said that Alan Arkin was a founding, he was in the founding cast of Second City. I didn't wow. know. Fantastic. God, that guy was talented. I always wanted to work with him, and I never had the thing. Uh, man. Yeah, fuck. Sucks when people have to die. Why do why do men die? Mark. Julian Sands played Jorel on Smallville. Is that right? Yeah. Bamf. Oh, man. Brett Deacon of 4DX fame just texted me that Alan Arkin wrote the Banana Boat song, the day of. And so I've looked it up, and he is listed as one of the writers on the Harry Belafonte Banana Boat song. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. <laughs> Alan Arkin, Bob Carey, and Eric Darling. He's the first listed songwriter on the wow. Banana Boat song. Wow. <laughs> you didn't need this acting money. You got Banana Boat money. <laughs> There's always money in the Banana Boat. Um, Mr. Tallyman. Uh, they pointed out in chat that Boxing Helena, Julian Sands was in that as well. Mm -hmm. Jennifer Lynch movie. Uh, the slickness says we can't appreciate life without death. I mean, I guess, but why, why, why does there have to be any death? Can't we just keep going? Can't we? Can't we regenerate? Come on, we all we all like Doctor Who. <laughs> why can't we fucking do that? <laughs> of all the things I thought I'd never hear Kevin say, we all like Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> um shit my yeah fuck man alan arkin well my dad's been dead for 20 years but he would have been heartbroken at the death of alan arkin i'm telling you i've never one of the first times i ever saw him like split his seams gut bustingly laughing was during the in-laws <laughs> time it was on he was like let's watch that yeah it, 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 um, it does make me want to watch it again oh fuck it just have like an alan arkin month it really is. Jacob Kelton in chat says, talk about Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon, Kev. Do we know anything about it other than he's making it? Did they drop a trailer or something? They haven't dropped a trailer yet. I think they dropped a sort of behind-the-scenes little, like, two-minute featurette out of the Tudum Netflix conference in Brazil uh, about a month ago or so. But, yeah, they haven't shown. And I think a couple stills have leaked as well, but there's not been a trailer yet. I'm in. I fucking like Zack. Um, Jersey boy. But, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's, this, this is him doing his Star Wars, essentially, right? Yeah, basically. I'm in, but there's no trailer. Um, I thought, I thought, based on them saying, is like, oh my god, maybe there's a trailer I missed. We didn't talk about the trailer from um, Craven, did we? Yeah, we talked I about it, not on the air. Did we? I think you and I talked about it, and I was like, <laughs> I was overly excited by it. You were like, oh my god. Like, you'll never learn you're like oh, why do you do this and i was like i think it looks good <laughs> yeah, one of the only times mark kind of made me feel stupid where he's like come on he, he drinks like, lion well, blood and gets now yeah he goes now we gotta have fucking he gets bit by a lion and becomes like a fucking lion hunter manimal this is good manimal meets Beastmaster. <laughs> i tell you that trailer was better than it had any right to be when they announced a craven movie i was like 
why are they doing this? But I saw that trailer. I was like, fucking hey, it's John Wick. He's just killing fucking like <laughs> My favorite part, though, has been like the, the the TikTok thirst trap reaction to the poster. Like TikTok is losing its fucking mind over, you know, Aaron, whatever his name is, Taylor Johnson, just leaning back, no shirt on, big thighs, just like, oh, hey, Craven, you can hunt me. You can, you can isn't hunt that, me. Isn't he um, fucking, uh, what was that movie called? You know, where he was the teen... Vigilante, kick ass. Kick ass. He's, he's. I mean, I know he's Quicksilver, mm -hmm. uh, but he's kick ass. Yeah, he's, he's kick ass. ass got fucking jacked. He uh, he was also in uh, Bullet Train, which I quite liked him in. Um, he the plays, Brad Pitt flick. Yeah, he plays an assassin along with uh, apparently brothers with Brian Tyree Henry, who are both hilarious. Um, and he was in the that first Godzilla reboot movie, the post Matthew Broderick one, where he just got to like look around and maybe see Godzilla. Yeah, with wasn't Elizabeth? No, who was his wife? Olsen. Yeah, Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah, he's a good actor. This kid, fuck, I, I got to tell you, man, that fucking like I had I had zero expectations for Craven, and I saw that trailer. I'm like, I'm interested. You have my attention. Yes. It's Morbin time. <laughs> no, I never felt that about Morbin. But, but yeah, I, I, I get. I'm, I am an eternal optimist. I'm like, this is gonna be great. <laughs> um, all right, so that's all the news we got. That's all the news we got. All Should the news we got, man. Q and A. Uh, what do you got? What do you got there, Banff man? Give us some questions. All right. Ask Questions three. Uh, first question, Ian Cruz. Uh, if you could direct a music video, what band and what song would you want to do? What would the video pitch be? Um, before we do that, hey, we should point out that we are doing Fat Man Beyond live one week from tonight. That's right. We are. Yeah, if you're in California, kids, uh, you want to come see me and Mark and Banff Man live in person at the Scum and Villainy Cantina, here's your chance. Come to the dance, man. Uh, Fat Man Beyond Live, one week from tonight, which would be what, July 10th? Yeah, the July 10th. 10th. Yeah, and 10th. I guess the last time in L.A. for a long time, I think. It's definitely the last L.A. show before we do the sold-out fucking uh, show in New Jersey. Fat Man Beyond, mm -hmm. August 25th is sold-out, kids. So. And then whatever may or may not happen in San Diego. Oh, that's right. Oh, you're, yeah, that's right. You're, we are doing it in San Diego. Spoilers. <laughs> we are, we'll be doing Fat Man Beyond in San Diego. We, I think uh, after the holiday, July 5th, tickets go on sale for... Um, uh, we're doing movies again at the Tin Roof Inn like we did last year. And we're doing Thursday night is Jane, Silent Bob, Get Old. Friday night is Fat Man Beyond with me and Mark. And Saturday night is uh, Hollywood Babylon with me and Ralph Garman. So th th that's right. There will be one more in California. And then August 25th, the sold-out show in New Jersey. But in Los Angeles, man, tickets available right now. How do they get them, Banff, man? Uh, I posted the link in the chat and then I'll put it up over my face because the other one's not working. 
Right there. All right, well, over my face. So fucking do me here. Buy those tickets right now. We'll wait. We ain't saying shit until you buy some tickets. <laughs> bling. Bling, 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 bling. Did you buy them tickets? No. Keep them separated. Um, get your tickets right now, kids. Come see me and Mark do this live in person. It's always a good time. It's coming to Villainy Cantina. JC, oh, hell yeah. fucking hell of a bar, man. Where everyone's accepted. Good times are had by all. Nobody ever gets in bar fights. It ain't like Roadhouse at all. <laughs> blood on the floor every night. Yeah, no, that shit. You don't have a Roadhouse guy, right? A bouncer. Roadhouse guy. I do not. <laughs> uh, tiny dancer in the corner. Not even a stoner anymore. And sometimes language still fails me. <laughs> You don't have a roadhouse guy, do you? <laughs> yeah, our door guy is do a. a super, uh, do you have a Super Mario guy? Like, do you mean a plumber? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> do you have a bouncer at uh, Scum Villain? We do because we're on Hollywood Boulevard, so we're trying to keep some of the riffraff outside. But uh, mm. he is a uh, Tolkien scholar. So, like, when he's not doing our door, he's researching J.R.R. Tolkien and Lord of the Rings. So. Do you have any thoughts on Narnia? Is it like Narnia? <laughs> I, you know, I don't ask. I'm not Narnia is not really on my radar. Like, I don't like to get close to the help, man, because <laughs> I need him to take a bullet if somebody, if the riffraff comes in from Hollywood Boulevard. Does uh does the does the Nar does the the Tolkien scholar when looking at IDs and he bounces people from entering say, "You shall not pass." Nice. Oh my God, he nice. should. And if he doesn't, he should. <laughs> he should dress like fucking Gandalf. <laughs> or no, or the Balrog. Oh my god, that'd be Ooh, nice. Smoke and flame. And that's coming from a guy who never saw all them rings movies. I know, you got the name right. <laughs> I can pass. I can pass, man. Um, okay, so uh, uh, tickets right now. Get them. Come see me and Mark. At fucking scum and villainy canteen. You can drink fucking blue milk for Christ's sakes. Right? Can't can they I, have the blue milk? Yes, they can. Can I reveal something that we're going to do <gasps> that I'm sure a bunch of other bars will steal because I'm saying it on the show? But it'll have. Oh, yeah, especially if it'll sell one fucking ticket. Go. I have. Uh, it won't be ready for this show, but it, we, we are going to do. I took a uh, Barbasol shaving can cream like a can of shaving cream and i hollowed it out and you take the shaving cream off and it has all the little vials of like dino embryos but they're ah. little shooters so you can order the jurassic park drink you get a shaving cream can you pop it open and it has the like spring action and they pop up and then they're little shot shooters that's fucking clever man you call it the wayne knight or what <laughs> yeah, yeah, we reference. We actually call it the uh, the Newman. We're just going to cross the the It's like a triple reference. <laughs> 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 fucking good, man. JC's clever. He's putting it. You know, fucking. They they sh they should let you make a movie. <laughs> Whichever one you want. Yeah. Pick a movie. Okay. That kind of attention to detail deserves fucking. Be rewarded with a hundred to two hundred million dollar Hollywood. <laughs> What's the other thing we didn't talk about with Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny? Three hundred million dollars. 
damn flash 200 and change like these movies are too expensive man somebody better tell folks that like you better bring these budgets down bring that budget down son lay that budget down i mean like yeah like i i i just struggle with how one spends 300 million dollars on a movie by taking a guy's face and making it young. They could have yeah. just done this. Somebody could have stood behind Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> I hate snakes, Jock. I hate them. But like, you know, there are, there are people in their basements, you know, who could deep fake a Harrison Ford for free. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's just, it's always, like, I guess I get it, but at the same token, like, really? Uh, Mission Impossible, another budget, high budget movie. Yeah, yeah, but you uh, see so that. Pull, pull the like, uh, pull the figure for that. But they were also shooting during COVID. They got shut down multiple times. Yeah, and that they're trying to kill budget. Tom Cruise. That, their budget is also fucking like through the roof. Um, what what is it? Is it Mission Impossible Seven now? Seven uh, Dead Reckoning. Dead Dead Reckoning. Reckoning. Part one. Part one. Yes. Two hundred and ninety million dollars. I mean, you know, I mean, like, there's, there's, I, oh, the one thing I will say in defense of, of whatever that is, is that they actually travel the world and make these movies. There is nothing that takes place in Indiana Jones that does not feel like it could have been on a set. Agreed. Brett Cohen and Chat goes, that's a budget for two movies. I don't think that's accurate. The story I read said that the $295 million is Dead Reckoning Part 1. Like, it's not the two movies. It's not like that's Part 1 and Part 2. They shot them at the same time. I don't think that's the case here. I could be wrong, but I, I, I remember reading an article that was just like, that's just Part 1. It's not like, you know, when they shot fucking Infinity War and fucking Endgame together and then, you know. Right. This is, that's one movie. Um, it looks yeah. it, though. I mean, that at least it's on screen. With, it had a lot to do, but also, but it sounds like it's not all on screen because it had a lot to do with COVID, COVID. as well. Yeah, they got fucking killed, man. Remember? Yeah. While, because he was, you know, going out of his way to make sure that they could make that movie. Didn't and, they, like, rent a cruise ship to house the, the, the crew so that they didn't have to be in whatever city they were shooting in? Yeah. Um, anyway, so, music video. What, uh, what's, oh, yeah. <laughs> the band, what song? M music video and what's the, what's the concept? Um, I've made some music videos. Um, I, let me see. Uh, uh, for Soul Asylum. Or, um, Aren't they going to be on a cruise with us? Oops, that's right. Ooh, fucking hell of a segue. Kids, do you want to uh, spend some time on the high seas? Or the, in my case, not so high anymore seas? <laughs> uh, you're not even supposed to see here today. That was Brian Lynch's pitch. Uh, it's uh, the Jane Silent Bob's Cruise Askew coming at you in February, man. Uh, February, I think it's 25th to the 27th. I don't know. 
but it's February, February 2024. We're at 75% sold. Still have many months to sell more. So it's July, August, September, October, November, December, January, February. Seven months to sell the other 25%. 3,000 USQ fans alone on a boat. <laughs> um, that sounds like a fucking recipe for disaster, but it's going to be heaven for me. Uh, we got so much programming. Mark Bernardin's going to be there. We're going to be doing Fat Man Beyond on a boat. We're on a boat, motherfucker. Doing <laughs> Fat Man Beyond. But like Mark said, Soul Asylum is going to be joining us on the cruise. Um, Dave Perner and co. And uh, Jason Lee just signed up. Ethan Suplee, Brian O'Holloran, Jeff Anderson, me and Jason Muse doing Jane Silent Bob Good Old, Ralph Garman and me doing Hollywood Babylon. Um, uh, uh, Trevor Furman, Elias, and them clerks pictures. Jennifer fucking Schwalbach played Emma in those pictures and shit. Um, yeah, man. If you've ever wanted to go to the Bahamas with me, here's your chance. You can go <laughs> click it said. I think it's Jay and Silent Bob's cruiseaskew.com, a very long fucking foot. Or just go to my Instagram. It's in my my uh, link in my bio. Mm. But join us on the cruise, man. Come cruise with us. Haven't you always wanted to cruise with me and Mark? Right on Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> Cruising. Um, okay. Um, let's see. What video would I want to do? All right. I would love to do a, a video for the talking heads, which would mean they would have to get back together. Oh, nice. And it would be for a new song. Uh, or it would be for two songs. One would be a new track. And the other would be for, because they've had some amazing videos. Um, I mean, they've always, they were RISD kids from Rhode Island School of Design. So, like, the look of their videos was always, yeah, you know what? I'm not good enough to make a Talking Heads video. <laughs> but I would want to be, I just want to see the Talking Heads play together again. Yeah, it's fair. That's really all it comes down to. Um, I'm, I'm not, honestly, I'm not really a video type of guy because that requires a visionary. Somebody who could tell a visually interesting story in like two to four minutes and i can't you know, they give me 90 minutes i can't tell a vi visually interesting story so um hmm. I, you know maybe tenacious d even they make good looking videos mm. um hmm. um you know oh all right here you go they never made a music video for Cats in the Cradle. <laughs> Harry Chapin Carpenter. Harry Chapin. I don't even know if there's a carpenter on his name. Uh, I would I would do that shit. But very literal, just there's a cat in a in a fucking cradle. <laughs> you, see me, you see me, my friend. People are like, I think he literally thinks this song about a cat in a cradle. I was like, what do you mean? It's not? Shit's adorable. I'm just feeding with a silver spoon. Just look at this cat. He's <laughs> yeah. eating all this fucking pudding. I would literally show you all the things he says. Little boy blue, man in the moon. Right. Like, I don't think he understands what that song means. It's a song <laughs> about a father who didn't spend enough time with his children. No, it isn't. It's about little boy blue feeding a cat with a silver spoon on the moon. 
you're being literal. It's about a cat in a cradle. What's more adorable than that? Nothing. There aren't nearly enough cats in music videos. I was a big fan of LOL cats back in the day. I can has video. <laughs> Over to you, my friend. Nice. Uh, I think I wanted to um, parliaments uh, make my funk the P funk because I wants to get funked up. Uh, animated in the style of the Soul Train opening credits. Oh, I remember those opening that, credits. That fucking train that's just doosh, doosh. Soul Train. Train. Wow, good call, man. Yeah, uh, I should have went with animated. Fuck. Listen, man, I'm here now for the fucking cat in the cradle being fed by little boy Blue holding a silver spoon. As the Slickness M says in chat, cat videos made YouTube. <laughs> Absolutely right. So we're going to remake music video. We're going to bring back MTV with cat videos and shit. <laughs> Make my funk the P-Funk. Because I yeah, wasted the time that we wasted. Good time as children, teenagers, even in our 20s, watching music videos and MTV. And that doesn't even happen anymore. No. No. I don't even, I, you have to go to YouTube to find a video if you want, but even then, like, I don't even know who's making them anymore. So the last one I saw was Janelle Monet launching her, like, here's my titties tour, um, which here for, I'm, I'm here for her, you know, sort of sexual freedom. Um, but yeah, that's the last music video I saw in three or four years. There's our answer. So we did it. Uh, I would battle. do a Taylor Swift video because <laughs> money. <laughs> People see it. <laughs> that's that's... I wasn't even thinking. I was thinking of fucking, I don't know what I was. I, I like cats is what it comes down to. <laughs> <laughs> now <I'm laughs> but you're right, man. I, I should have picked an artist that people demand to see. And shot their <laughs> fucking video. Uh, all right. Hyper Hex asks uh if you could cross over indiana jones with any comic book character who would it be and what would be the item hmm. uh, i'll i'll go because i read the question like an hour ago so it's been in the back of my brain <laughs> that's done it literally shot people must have thought that we froze or something because like it was dead silence as we all sat there thinking you go first let's see if it uh i yeah. think indiana jones could have a wonderful adventure with gray ghost from batman hmm. Hmm. nice and they're searching for it doesn't matter it's not about that. It's about their camaraderie. I like it. I like it. You had an hour to think. You couldn't come up with a fucking plot. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I'm thinking uh, Indiana Jones crosses over with Green Arrow. And they're looking for the lost bow of Robin Hood. Ooh. Thank you. Just came up with that on the spot. That's nice. Thank you very much. Over to you, Captain. Well done. Um. I want to cross him over with um, Vandal Savage. Remember Vandal Savage from the DC? Oh, yeah, he's the oldest man in DC history. 
the immortal Cro-Magnon warrior who has uh, survived throughout the ages. Um, you know, I, I, I think that a dude who loves the deep, deep past and a guy who's lived the deep, deep past would have some interesting conversations. And I think the item they want to find is fucking Atlantis. Just do it. Just go find a dead city. Fucking A, I like that. Or I would cross Indiana Jones over with Richie Rich and they could go find the box office that they didn't find this weekend. Doom! <laughs> Did I do that? I'm going to stick with my original answer. No, right, that was a good one, though. Thank you. Um, all right, JC, bring us back. Oh, how about this? On the fact that I saw two movies where uh, Nazis got the shit kicked out of them this weekend, Indiana Jones crosses over with the Blues Brothers and they fight Illinois Nazis. And fucking Jake, Jake Blues goes, I hate Illinois Nazis. And then Indy Jones goes, I hate snakes. Jock, I hate them. <laughs> but it's a prequel because Abner Ravenwood taught at University of Chicago, which is where Blues Brothers takes place is in Chicago. It all oh my god hey is that true did he really teach at chicago mm -hmm. yeah how do you know so much about abner ravenwood i think they it's dialogue i think uh that one of the cia guys says in raiders i mean ernie's not wrong it wouldn't have been cool to see fucking young old indiana jones teaming up with abner ravenwood one of my favorite la things ever was when i first um, visited LA for a stretch and I was doing an internship on the Paramount lot. Um, I remember driving down Vine and passing by the Ravenwood apartments uh, on my way to the Paramount lot. I was like, do you think that's where they came up with the name Abner Ravenwood from Marion Ravenwood? And yeah, like Lawrence Kasdan uh, admitted like, yeah, that was the Ravenwood apartments. I saw that name on my truck. There's yeah, it's well there's if you take Beverly Glen over the hill, there's a there's a street sign that's Ravenwood Court. And so it's yeah, yeah it's all right there. In the valley there's an Arcola Avenue and I thought I always thought that was where they got Chachi Arcola from. <laughs> Happy days. Yeah. Uh Ukla the Mock is named after UCLA. Are you shitting me? Is that true? Yeah. That would make a lot of fucking sense. <laughs> what about uh, Indiana Jones and Doc Savage, the Man of Bronze? Ooh, see, that'd be dope. Uh, or Indiana Jones and the Venture Brothers. Yes. Yes, please. Indiana Jones and uh, and just go straight back to the source for Johnny Quest. I'm like, hey, you've also got a little brown kid sidekick. This is great. Kids, <laughs> we take a page out of JC's book, and it's Indiana Jones crosses over with uh fucking Taylor Swift so that it makes a lot of money. Oh, sure. <laughs> <Hell> yeah, <laughs> that's why every teen girl and older gentleman comes to see the fucking movie. Um, every kid would pay. Here's the one, here's the one we fucking missed mm. Indiana Jones, wait for it, and Han Solo. Wow. It's like looking at myself in the mirror. And they're looking for Luke Skywalker's lost lightsaber that fucking fell out of his hand. <laughs> cut his hand off. The one that was originally in JJ's movie. And then they were like, let's not do that. Yeah, that's crazy. So uh, dark, JJ. Love it. Great question.
better answer. All right, what's the last one? All right, Take us last home. one. D Payne wants to know uh, if you could direct any biography, who or what would you choose? Stan Lee. Enough said. Enough said. Uh, I would do a Stan Lee biopic. I've been offered to do a Stan Lee biopic. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I probably wouldn't do it because I'm I'm too I don't know I might be too close on that subject matter. Um, George Carlin, Alan Rickman, three dead legends who I actually met. So I feel like I could I could do them justice. Hmm. I think I would do. Um, Jimi Hendrix. Ooh. There's never been a good one um, because I think the issue is always the music. The music rights are tied up in a very contentious sort of estate battle. There's like nine different members of the Hendrix family, all of whom have different opinions on whatever. So there was a, there was a movie starring Andre 3000 as Jimi Hendrix. Mm -hmm. Um, which was interesting, but all the music was the covers that he did. Um, so none of the original stuff. But if you could crack that, I think that story is awesome. Um, um, I feel like there's probably a great Chuck Jones story to be told. Um, I don't know an overwhelming amount about his life, but the, the work, the conditions under which they did the work... Um, the ability to mix animation and live action to tell that story, I think, would be kind of phenomenal. I would do this. I would do this guy right here. Yeah, Jason Mewes bio. I know a <laughs> lot about this. <laughs> you can probably get the rights. Yeah, I bet you. I bet you. I, I know a guy who can get the rights, but I know a lot about Jason, and he's got a pretty fucking interesting story. I wrote years ago. Like the whole reason Jane and Bob get old exists as a podcast is because it came off of. Um, a, a, a kind of series of essays that I wrote called Me and My Shadow, which is about his struggles with with drug addiction back in the day. Um, but yeah, that'd be, I, I, and for years people have been like, you should turn that into a movie. Um, and for years I've been like, no, God, no. Like, <laughs> happened. But now that shit happened. Like he just said his 13 year sober anniversary um the other day yesterday so congratulations to jason he's been so clean so over 13 years now the father of two but inspiring story there's a kid who didn't fucking that, that's a great american story right there guy who got as far as he's gotten in life by being a true american original and you know had demons to fight and fucking fought him and shit and and is beloved i mean he fucking you gotta you've seen how beloved jason muse is it's fucking mm -hmm. nuts People love this kid. I hitched my wagon to a star a long fucking time ago because I was like, people like this guy. <laughs> they don't like me, but they like him. So I'm going to stand next to him for the rest of my life, both professionally and personally. Jay never lost, going through all that, he never lost like that sense of being a kid either. Like right. He still has that like wonder and enthusiasm that like, a nine-year-old little kid has. 
one of the most charming aspects about him. That's why children fucking love him. Not just his kids. Of course, his kids love him. But like kids in general, when they meet him, just fucking flock to him. He's like the Pied Piper because he he's like them. He's this fucking like into life and into like this is one, one of the things I've always loved about him. This motherfucker has never read a, bi- a bad comic book. He's never seen a bad movie. He's never seen a bad TV show. He likes everything. We'd give him the shittiest comics back in the day. <laughs> comics that like we'd get rid of because we didn't want in our collection. And he'd be like, I loved it. I was like, what'd you like about it? He's like, oh, it was in color. Like, there's always something positive he's got to say. He's not judgmental at all. I wish I could be that guy in life. Yeah, he's a good guy. Um, what about you, Banff man? Who would you biopic? I would do Bill Murray. Bill Murray grew up down the street from my my dad's family. He's older than my dad, but um, but they all went to Catholic high school together. And uh, I just think he's got like a really interesting origin. And then it just goes off the rails crazy from there. I think you missed your opportunity. You should have done Taylor Swift again. <laughs> See? The biopic that makes money and shit. Blank Space. The Taylor Swift story. By Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, fucking there it is, man. We, we talked about, sh- we reviewed some shit. We did some news and shit. And then we answered some questions and shit. So shit's done. 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 You come see us, kids. You want to come see me and Mark in person? Me and Uncle Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Stiffy, let's go. Uh, come watch us do this shit fucking live, man. I mean, this is lives, but I mean, in person and shit. Yeah, you can touch in a bad seat at the fucking scum and villainy cantina. You could roll up a tissue, hurl it at us, and shatter our jaw. That's how close you are. <laughs> that's how old we are <laughs> the old glass jaw um, somebody Jim Tomlin just said you forgot about super chat Mark's like shut the fuck up <laughs> we made it almost all the way out <laughs> son of a bitch um, yeah man come see us tickets available right now at that link that's on the screen uh, fat man uh, oh it's at eventbrite just go to eventbrite and fucking enter fat man beyond you'll find it or csmod or any number of places don't forget to go see indiana jones and the dial of destiny make up your own mind Mm -hmm. um seek out by any means necessary at all costs to your physical person late night with the devil (laughs) Dave dismalchin flick fuck it good telling you man that shit is i'm gonna say it again I'll probably get misquoted somewhere online and they'll say that I said Christian Bale did a thing. This fucking thing is like Rosemary's Baby meets Network. And I believe the network that they, they're on a network called UBC in the mm-hmm. Dave's movie. I think that was the name of the network and network. I don't remember. I don't remember either. Uh, Kevin, it's nine o'clock. Do you know where your children are? 
Do you remember? Do you remember that fucking ad? I remember that, yeah. In the seventies, it's ten p.m. Do you know where your children? Do you know where your children are? Channel Five used to do that back east. Yeah, because apparently parents in the seventies were so awful they did not know where their kids were, and so awful that TV had to TV had to remind them (laughs) it's ten o'clock. Remember you fucked. Do you know what you have? Yeah, where's that product of all that fucking? That was at a time where, like, you know, kids would go out. Now it's like, if you did, it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your kid is? Like, yeah, he's fucking twitching in the next room. (laughs) (laughs) He never leaves the fucking house. He's jerking off to TikTok. Where else is he supposed to be? (laughs) (laughs) He's watching Euphoria, which scares me. (laughs) I don't understand it. Uh, There it is, kids. Uh, There's your fat man beyond. For this week don't forget we're doing it nick nicholas hamill said by the way stephen king has been touting late night with the devil all over his twitter feed Ooh, mm. Ooh. Well, i like so stephen king and stephen king liked the flash and so did i and look what that did <laughs> hopefully better results for dave desmalchin and uh and uh late night with the devil yeah. which is or the same results if Late Night with the Devil opens to $50 million. Yeah, it's a win. Total fucking win. Oh, my God. Just pull it out of theaters, guys. We're done. I'll take that kind of failure. <laughs> um, there it is, kids. Fucking there's your fat man beyond for this week. Uh, next week, we're doing it live from the Scum and Villainy Cantina. Come, come, come hard. Go get your ticket <laughs> right now. Join us. Get drunk. And look at us in person and be like, hey, hey, Uncle Mark, I got a question. Fix my movie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, I liked Indiana Jones, Uncle Mark. <laughs> You've never been accosted by a drunk who differs with from your opinion, have you? It hasn't happened yet, but uh, I now I, I somehow think it's going to happen. It's well, your, chance. <laughs> your chance. You conjured it to, to, to the world. You could come in and fucking tell Mark he's wrong to his fucking face. <laughs> like four drinks in. You're like, hey, hey, you don't like nothing. Yeah. What, who hurt you when you were a child? That Why makes you are you so angry at movies? Why you don't like movies, Uncle Mark? <laughs> Uncle Mark is going to catch on. You watch. <laughs> uh, can't wait for the T-shirts. <laughs> uh, there it is, my friends. Uh, uh, we don't have a show without old Banff Man. Banff Man bringing you, even though we're not at his bar, we're at his virtual bar right here. Indeed. And make sure that we beam into your homes so you could fucking catch up on the latest news. Uh, but we got no show without the guy that's diagonal from me in this wood square board. I appreciate the desire to like not slank. I've yeah. given up. I've given <laughs> up trying to fucking point. Oh, wait. There. There. God damn it. There. You, you, I know you. I know you. There he is, kids. Mr. Mark Bernard. Look at him. Look at him. Look at him. He knew, what, he, knew, he knew to stay out of the light. Touch my head, Indiana Jones. Touch it. <laughs> Mark's head is the fucking goal. 
I'm gonna, the fertility he's guy. Mark, he's going to put a sandbag down and take Mark's head away. <laughs> that picture makes me want to watch that movie again. It's worth it. You should. Holds up. Uh, give it up for marvelous Uncle Mark Bernard, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Uh, and that is your Fat Man Beyond for this week. Uh, don't forget, get tickets. See us live. One week from today, we could be doing this in the same fucking room. It'd be amazing and shit. Fuck yeah. Uh, that's Fat Man Beyond for this week. I'm Kevin Smith. I'm Mark Bernard. Tune in next week, kids. Live from the Scum and Villainy Cantina. Same fat time. Same fat channel. Smodcast.com or YouTube.com slash Kevin Smith. Abner Ravenwood Kiss. This has been a Smodco Internet Production. Sip only at Smodcast.com. <laughs>